Comic Clan and welcome to Comics in the Cross, the greatest streamers that you have never heard of. I, of course, am always your host, Cross, and I am not joined by Nitro this week. He is not with us, but we do have some very special guests joining us on the show. We have the team coming all the way from One Geek 411 podcast. Guys, say hello to the Comic Clan. Hello there. Oh, I think some of y'all are still muted. Hello. (laughs) You know what? Muted at the start. That's the easiest technical issue we've had so far as true comics in the cross fashion. Nothing but technical issues right before we start. Wouldn't be one of our podcasts without it. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. It's usually Nitro. Someone else has to take it. He's not here this week. But we are so happy to have you all here with us this week and joining us as we're going to be looking at the MCU Phase 2. Uh, discussion I'm very excited about having and really glad I got a great group of people to join me during it. Um, so let me go ahead, get a little bit of housekeeping out the road just so we can jump straight into stuff, just so it's out there. Uh, so first of all, let me go ahead and shout out our sponsor, Gamer Grind Co., the number one coffee for gamers. Hashtag on that grind. You can see the logo right above Cameron there. I go ahead and drop it in the sponsor. You can go ahead and you can click on that link to get yourself some amazing coffee. Don't forget, use Comics in the Cross at checkout. Save yourself 5%. And while you're there, you know. Hey, thank you so much, Ads, for the host. Absolutely appreciate it, brother. Um, and of course, while you're there at Gamer Grind, why not pick yourself up a Comics in the Cross official mug and sticker as well? Because you know you want one. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want one at this point? Um, along with that, merchandise. Woo clicking on the wrong thing you can also head over to our teespring store link is now in the chat and you can pick up of course some comics and cross official merchandise you can get a t-shirt hoodie nitro's favorite the leggings are still available and also we have some new items you may have seen on our social media you can pick up a kids t-shirt you can pick up baby onesies which i will be picking up for the new baby cross very soon um, and of course we now have our very own masks because the pandemic still seems to be going on these don't seem to be going away so why not shamelessly plug the podcast while I'm wearing my mask out in public because yep that's the sort of people we are so which is good advertising hey yeah. I may as well advertise all it everywhere all I can the new ideas for us exactly you know it's like <laughs> hey you know what we can sell masks yeah let's put our logo on it why not why not put it on there <laughs> And also, if you want to support the podcast, um, we are, of course, Twitch affiliate, so you can sub to the channel. You can do that via um, subscribing at a tier one at four ninety nine a month. Or if you have Amazon Prime, you can, of course, subscribe for absolutely free with your Amazon Prime account. So if you've got Amazon Prime, why not? Why not go ahead? Just hit that subscribe button. You know, you, w- you won't be disappointed. Actually, you're probably very disappointed. It's just me and Nitro rambling most weeks. But, you know, if that's the sort of thing you're into, why not support it? And then you can also support us over on our Patreon. Click on that link. You can support us for as low as $2 a month and help support the podcast. We'll still keep doing what we're doing, even without the financial help. We love doing what we're doing and we love our community. But if you want to help us out financially, it allows us to do that a little bit more for y'all. All right, shameless plugging, I think, is out the road. <laughs> All right, so let's do a little introduction with our... Um, our guest for this week before we jump into some stuff we're going to, of course going to talk about some news and talk about the mcu phase two so let me hand over to our guest then gentlemen and lady 
go ahead and introduce yourselves. Who are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us why you're part of One Geek Four Eleven. Tell us a little bit about that. Let's delve into that first. I'll start us off. Um, so I'm Cameron. Um, one of the people that started First Geek Four Eleven way back in the day. Now it, it feels so long ago. Um, and I live in Dallas. Um, I used to be a minister, not anymore. I now work at GameStop Corporate. And then big into magic and the card game magic, to clarify. Um, I'm going to say, I assume you mean Magic the Gathering, not just magic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) On our stream, like, or on our stuff, we can just say magic because we just talk about it all the time. But (laughs) it's that, like, when we cross over, we got to make sure we clarify. Um, Why are they inviting these pagans onto the (laughs) Um, And then D&D, video games, working on The Last of Us 2 Platinum right now. And so... Nice. That's yeah. That's good enough for now. We'll talk phase two. We'll get into Marvel thoughts with that. But definitely, I do have to ask. You're working on The Last of Us two. Not to put any spoilers out there, although I'm sure pretty much everybody knows the stuff for Last of Us Part two now. <laughs> Except Emma, who's playing it right now. Yeah. Yep. Me who hasn't touched it yet. Just just simple thoughts on it. <laughs> are Are you enjoying the game? Because I know a lot of people have had a bit yeah. of bad backlash at it. It's like, are you all that are playing it enjoying it? Is I've also had no exposure to the first game, so I... Oh, wow, so that's a heck of a thing to go and blame to. like, <laughs> brand new, so I have no, like, pre-existing thoughts or opinions. But yes, I am enjoying it for a first-timer. That, that, okay, that has to be a conversation at some point that we need to fit in. Yeah. Like, how, are you, how are you enjoying Last of Us Part 2, having no clue about the first game? Like The place that people now. could come for that conversation <laughs> is First Geek 411. Yeah. And so, so we'll eventually be getting to have that talk. Um, hey, we are, we're all about shameless plugging here. So while oh, you're yeah. plugging that, let me throw up some stuff in chat. So that first link I've thrown up there, hashtag geek, pulls up the OneGeek411 website where you can go ahead and get most of their information about their amazing podcast. Listen to it there, and I'm assuming listen to it on all the typical mm-hmm. podcasty type places, iTunes, Spotify, you know, all the works. Mm-hmm. And, we and are how everywhere are you in hard The know. Last of Us right now? Um, I just got through the hospital area, so like 14 hours roughly, and that's also with me just dying shamelessly and (laughs) (laughs) finding collectibles because I get lost, so. Yeah. Um, yeah, to to add just, I, I, it's a really good game. Last of Us Part 1 is one of my favorite PS3 games, and so... And then this is why I'm excited for the conversation between Emma and I later. It's because we were both coming to The Last of Us Part 2 on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, yeah, so and... I definitely want to hear that conversation because yeah. that's going to be interesting. Yeah. I read a summary of the first game before I jumped into the second one just so I had some basis. But Yeah, I was going to say, because going in completely blind, I can't imagine jumping into that game completely yeah, blind no, and having like no clue. jumping into the MCU completely blind and <laughs> picking Endgame to watch first. Like, yeah, it's like, don't recommend it. Yeah, technically you can do it, but you're really not going to have a clue what's no, going on. you're not going to enjoy it <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Nice. Well, Emma, since you're telling us a little bit about The Last of Us 2, why don't you go ahead next, introduce yourself a little bit, tell us a little bit about yourself as well, and... And how did you get yeah, involved sure. with One Geek 411? Because like the guys above us are like 
are like the original guys who started it and you were are one of the new team members so how did how did that even come about yeah so i went to school in montana and actually ended up meeting chris through young life and um woohoo got my young life leg on um and it was so i i live in colorado now after i graduated uh and um I'm much more of a science fiction person, just in general, than I am, like, anything else, I would say. I love Doctor Who. I love fantasy. Um, I've never played Magic the Gathering. The closest I ever got was playing with Pokemon cards in elementary school. Um, but I'm getting more interested in D&D and um, that kind of role-playing game. Um, and I'm getting more into video games and I'm loving it and I have been a guest on First Geek 411 in the past a couple of times in the past and just recently joined when uh, Cameron and Chris were talking and as yeah just hopped on the hopped on board as a regular host because they were interested so yeah awesome that's me all right, so at some point in the future, I was like, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Comics in the Cross is looking to expand, and we did kind of do a little <laughs> test thing with Cosmic in the Cross where we were going to talk about sci-fi stuff. So I am so going to have to bring you onto that show to talk about Doctor Who, because I'm a big Doctor Who fan as well. Nitro knows practically nothing sci-fi. Um, like, I li- <laughs> like Literally, our first episode was him and me talking about Firefly after he watched it for the first oh. time, because he'd never seen it before. Uh, That's a good show. It so is. See, he hates Joss Whedon. He really doesn't like Joss Whedon uh, stuff. So as soon as he saw Joss Whedon was attached to it, he's like, no. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm not going to like so this. I'm like, It's a personal thing against Joss Whedon then. It's yeah, just... but I kind of don't blame him because I kind of have that yeah. a lot for Joss Whedon stuff as well <laughs> for the most yeah. part. Um, that's going to come up during this conversation today about MCU too. And... Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I will definitely be reaching out to see about getting you on when we do an episode on Doctor Who because I need someone to bounce Absolutely. off of that actually knows Doctor Who. <laughs> Count me in. Definitely. And just to jump in the chat there, we've got Jay Sanchez254. How are you doing, guys? We are doing absolutely great. Thank you for coming in, John. I appreciate you stopping by, as always, brother. John, a big supporter. And for anyone who's over on Facebook, John actually runs an online wrestling league called Bariqua Wrestling Council, where he has done some comics in the cross specials before and has shouted us out amazingly. So I want to give a massive shout out to him. If you are interested in wrestling in an online wrestling community, go check him out. He's an absolute legend of a guy and he's shown us so much love in the past so i want to return that to him all right so i think that takes us to the man above me chris all over to you tell us a little bit about yourself and introduce yourself to the people absolutely so i'm chris or wherever you find me i'm not so foreign with a four e-i-g-n there in the spelling i've got to say Um, i love that name the not so foreign i love i've had it forever and it's one that's never taken wherever i look so it's just kept, I, kept I do moving. have to I do have to ask them that you were like where did that come from the not so foreign so originally it was it, it it comes from predominantly the where are you where are you from question that yeah. I get asked I, I'm born in well I wasn't born here but I've predominantly raised I'm very much American yeah um, <laughs> I, I kind of like, figured that might be where it comes from 
but also you know going back to some of my favorite scriptures you are um uh or of the uh you are from the world not of the world or any of things like that also like in terms of tying it back to the uh christian cultural aspect of my life that came that kind of it just it just continued to fit um throughout the different phases so i continue using it and it's been great awesome uh, um but yeah i'm one of the original founders of first geek 411 with my good friend here cameron and uh we kind of started because well first i flew out to pax east in 2016 rest in peace um, seriously <laughs> yep gone, gone forever no forgotten yeah. no. <laughs> and we always just joke we were just joking but then it became uh, about a year later after that um as we got ready for taxis part two uh, um we finally launched this and decided it was a good excuse for us to keep in touch and then more recently we decided to add some more diverse voices so we added janine and emma to kind of keep us balanced out since cameron and i agree on way too many things um yeah we end so our that... show with a top three and we have like a loose rule that we don't repeat things and we had had one that was a hundred percent match between the two of us, <laughs> and so True. yeah, time to bring in so, some new voices. When we do our top three anymore, it's like, what's we we try to like we end up with more obscure things on our top threes because Cameron and I are trying like, well, Chris is probably gonna have this, or Cameron's probably gonna have this, so I'm gonna I'm going into the weeds a little more, trying to find something that's more unique to me, I guess, than trying to avoid what Cam Cameron and I cross over. Or we always just have backups so we don't overdo it. But so that's great. that's going to be interesting when we kind of get to the end of our MCU two discussion, and we kind of start to list off like what's your order of favorites in MCU two. So I'm intrigued to see what your list are going to look like at the end of that. <laughs> Same. No, I'm just joking. This one we <laughs> might have we might have a little more disagreement here, but yeah, because I've heard I'm, I'm I heard there's some hot I have an takes Iron coming. Man three hot take. Yeah, so there's, really there's a hot take coming in Iron Man three, so I'm like, I'm, I'm intrigued to hear about that one. Until uh, it's a hot take, I agree with. I'm like, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, jumping back to the chat, I am L Tommy saying, "Hey everyone, hey Tommy, thank you so much for coming in, brother. Appreciate you stopping by as always." Um, so yeah, so to kind of do a little bit of an icebreaker, we've introduced you guys. We usually do a little bit of conversation about the news, so. I do have a few news topics. We'll try and hit at least some of them. I don't think some of them are going to create like a great deal of conversation. It's just stuff that I want to mention. Um, so the first big news that kind of came out this week, which I, I'm excited about, is that we all know that Avatar dropped on Netflix. It shot right to the top of the Netflix's top 10, as it should. Still one of the best shows ever created. Mm-hmm fight me if anyone disagrees on that seriously come into the chat and fight me it's amazing but its predecessor its follow up The Legend of Korra is now also coming to Netflix on August 14th so there's probably going to be some mixed feelings on that one because that show is definitely not as well received as um, The Last Airbender but I'm excited for it I, I have an absolute confession with Legend of Korra I have only seen the first season of Legend of Korra I have not seen seasons Ooh. two to four of that. Yeah. I want to. It just feels like every time I try to watch it, something happens and it kind of gets pushed off because other stuff's going on and I've just never gotten to it. So, like, once that hits on August 14th, I know personally I'm going to be binging it because, like, I need to see it because I've heard so much stuff about it. Like, I need to actually see it for myself now. 
And but... so I'm a big Cora apologist, um, <laughs> and so um, Cora is as a series, and, and we don't have to go crazy deep down the rabbit hole. Is a great example of what happens when a network messes up a creator's vision. Oh wow! Um, so you're not, like, you're not was, filling me with hope with that, Cameron. I'm, I've well, got to well, say, and, and, and I'll get into it a bit more. But like one of the big criticisms of Korra is that it is not one continual story like The Last Airbender is. Um, each season is more self-contained, and the reason for that is Nick told them, Nickelodeon told them, "Hey, make one season." So they made one season, and they said, "Okay, well, make another season." So then they made another one, and then they said, "Okay, make two more." Then they made two more. I'm like, even though, like, literally it's based off of the Avatar stuff and it's, like, the right. best self-contained three-season story arc ever. Right. Um, and so I'm... It's it's a great, like, test case in what happens when people are given goals that are not, like... It's not a good, like, order from the company. It's not yeah. the real so, reflection of the work. Yeah. Right. And uh. so, like, there's... At the very end of the first book, there's a there's a there is what could have been a very big cliffhanger, but they had to solve the problem in the last episode because they didn't know they were going to get another season. Yeah, and like I'm not going to get any spoilers for the end of it for anyone in the right. chat that but hasn't I, seen it yet. But like I have seen the first season of it, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, so this is where we're going with this. This is going to be like the overarching thing, and then it's like, no, it's not. Like, wait, what? Right. What? And what? then I will say, book three has my favorite villain in all of avatar oh, okay um, and so um yeah all right it's, I... I think it's very interesting because it's cora is very much focused on the themes of different types of government um and every villain kind of represents a different type and so it's really interesting to look at it from that like perspective um, awesome but... I'm definitely Again, intrigued. To, yeah, I'm definitely intrigued to check it out, and I'll definitely be watching it. But that definitely gives me interesting things to kind of mull over. Um, any other show? Any input on it? Excited for Cora? Fans of Cora? Hate Cora? I already rewatched all of Cora after Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> after the last Airbender ended up on Netflix, I was like, oh, now I'm just gonna binge everything again, and just found another place to watch it i guess ultimately i think amazon or i purchased them back in the day on amazon yeah um so i still had them but i am excited that more people get to experience a further or different take on the avatar universe um i'm very pro that i even own the the compilation comics and everything the oh yeah back books, and i love them they yeah. were such great additions special shout out to that them. to the avatar comics they're if you've not read them and you want more of like ang and you know team avatar like it gives a whole new perspective on stuff and the stories just expand really awesomely in the comics especially if you're like a big zuko fan the search yep which i am oh, zuko man. is my man from the first one mm -hmm. he is my favorite character i love zuko i even attempted to reach out to dante basco to see if i could get him onto the podcast didn't work <laughs> yet yeah, didn't yet. work yet. I was gonna say, like, to be fair, the There's podcast is the podcast has been running for like what four months. So to be fair, we're still fairly young to get a name like that. So I'm I'm still in hope that he'll get on the show eventually. It's gotta be persistent. Just keep every six months or so, just resend that email. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. literally just keep pestering him. He's on Honor Society here on Twitch. And um, where they like they're doing like watching through Avatar: The Last Airbender right now, and he plays games and stuff and that on here. So like, I just keep passing him and chat and stuff. 
Will you be on the show? Will you be on the show? <laughs> that won't get annoying and get me banned. So you got you got to be just do it periodically. Hey, we've grown a little more. Are you interested now? And then just throw it back out there a few months later. Hey, uh, so exactly. It's like, hey, we have we have three hundred followers on Instagram. We're a big deal now. We're, boom! We're, you know, boom! We've made it. Going viral, you know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, um. Let's jump into our next one. This is one more to just kind of throw out there. We've, we've talked a lot about the DCEU on this show. Not in the best light, I'll be honest. For any DCEU fans out there, I apologize. We're not massive fans of it. Um, but some news came out regarding Ezra Miller's Flash movie, which has kind of been heavily rumored for a long time to focus on the Flashpoint storyline. One of the best storylines in comics. I love Flashpoint. I love the comic i love the movie the animated movie they did of it i don't know if doing it in a live action movie at this time is the right idea but i was only give it a go but they officially announced that it will not include a war between the atlanteans and the amazons so it's still rumored to be flashpoint but one of the major storylines from the flashpoint comic is aquaman and atlantis fighting against wonder woman and the amazons and like that's not going to be part of it. I'm like, okay, so you're taking out like one of the biggest components of the story, one of the things that everybody would love to see. Yeah, it kind of reminds me. Like, I don't know a ton about that comic. Cause I'm not a big DC fan, but it kind of reminds me of the changes that we saw between Civil War from the comics into Civil War into the MCU. Yeah. Where like the end results kind of the same but how they get there is pretty different. And so maybe they're just trying to take that type of approach or maybe it's a budget constraint. I don't know. Yeah. I think the thing for me is like the changes to Civil War, don't get me wrong. Like I, I'm a high speaker of the Civil War comic for Marvel. That was the comic that like that I read and I was like, yep, I'm a comic, ba comic fan for life. I enjoyed superheroes growing up. I read that comic and I'm like, okay, I'm in. This is, this is my life now, comic books seeing it on the screen for me was very much a case of it makes sense in the world that they created mm -hmm. yeah because you can't do the original civil war story which was like all the superheroes register so all the secret identities because in the mcu they really don't have secret identities everyone just knows who they are yeah so there was definitely stuff to be altered with this one i'm like there's nothing that's been set up that would stop it because nothing's been set up you've had like what five movies six movies at this point most of which don't connect to any each other pretty much yeah like i i've always had mixed feelings about the dc universe mostly just because marvel in general has done such a good job with this series connecting also to the cinematic portion itself the movies mm -hmm. and dc has released pretty good portion like their their cw series or the arrowverse or whatever you mm -hmm. want to call it anymore yeah is pretty well received but it's a completely separate thing so there's no causation or anything there and then you get kind of with the success of those then you're doing live action portions of the movie and you just get these weird you have to look at those characters differently despite them being the same title Thing. Right, right. And I think it just causes more confusion yeah. for maybe new fans. They're like, oh, I was, I, I, 
I watched the Arrow or I watched Flash yeah. on the CW, and this is not the same thing. No. <laughs> so I'm always skeptical where, of the movies. Where Marvel has put their effort into the movies, DC has put their effort into the TV shows. Yeah. And like, it's easier to have that connection when you put most of your focus on the movies. That even if the TV shows then fall apart, which is what we see with Marvel, some of their TV shows just flop, which if you're running on the movies instead of the TV shows, that's fine. Because you can have the TV shows flop or do like not as well and still be fine. But yeah. if you're relying primarily on the TV shows to keep the world intact or relying on people to keep up with the TV shows in order for the movies to make sense or just have them completely separate, you're just going to confuse more people. And which is why I've had a difficult time getting into the DC world just because like yeah. the Arrow is a show and you know, and then I go and see or watch Superman and I'm like, well, this is not a good movie. <laughs> Things like that. So yeah, it's like DC's very much it feels like a bunch of different houses being built with the same sort of stuff. We're just, we're going to do it in a different way. And I just, yeah. I feel like just from the get go, the DCEU has just been all over the place. Like, you know, even the big announcement of like the Snyder cut of Justice League. And I'm like, I don't, I was not a fan of Justice League. And I'm like, I am not excited for his cut of it because I've seen his cut of movies before and I'm not the biggest Zack Snyder fan. There's certain things that work and I'm like, I don't know if his cut can save it, you know? And I'm like, I just I don't know what they're doing. It's like I feel like with the Flash movie though, they're just they're throwing stuff out there because that's what they've been doing since they announced they were doing a Flash movie. Nothing has ever been set in stone. It's just like we're going to do Flashpoint. Why? Flashpoint's a reset button. It's because they already need to reset it. Like that's the answer. Is like. But it's like you know I mean we're six movies in. It's like reset button. Like really? Is is it going that badly? We need to Flashpoint it really. Like you, I mean, your animated movies, you know, spoiler for the most recent one, they want they go ahead and try and flashpoint that at the end, and it's like, yeah, but you've built up to that. You've had this series of movies building to it. You know, it's the comics was the start of the new Fifty Two. You rebooted everything with the movies. There's nothing to reboot. Nothing's happened. But I guess just one of my favorite bits was the war. Like it's one of the fun parts of Flashpoint is him trying to reset everything in the midst of this war between these two warring nations that humanity's stuck in the middle of and it's like we're going to take that out and i'm like then what's going to happen that's like one of the main components of the whole story is like it's in the middle of this war that he created because of what he did you know right mm -hmm. I'm like, i can definitely agree with that especially for like when you are specifically titling it something that's affiliated with a major story component yeah and then removing that piece like it'd be one thing to say we are doing some something along the lines and then but saying it is exclusive from and separate and then yeah. titling it something different but calling it yeah associating it with flashpoint sets up way too many expectations no i mean that's it i think it just people get an idea and then you start changing stuff it's like why is it even flashpoint you know anyway enough about the dceu we've rambled about that enough in this show so <laughs> uh, Jumping to the chat, uh, Ads has thrown up Ezra Miller with some puking emoji faces. So, <laughs> not a fan. 
Um, and then Nitro stopped by in the chat saying sup cross just popping in to say what's up it's like good to have you Nitro if you're still here or if you're hanging about or whatever thanks for popping in you know whatever you're up to today in your break I hope you're enjoying it man we'll see you back next week um, so one of the big things happening this week has been we've been doing Comic Con at home San Diego Comic Con panels at home which sounds a lot more exciting than it actually has been, to be completely, <laughs> to be completely honest. And I'm like, it's not been much major stuff coming out of it. One interesting piece of news was New Mutants has a new cinematic release date. I'll believe it when it's out. <laughs> it's yeah. coming out, apparently. And I love this as well, like August 28th. Like I don't know about where y'all are, but I don't think cinemas are like open like fully here yet. I don't see that happening in the next month to the extent of like let's release a new movie. I'm like I know Alamo Drafthouse put out a trailer for like opening back up, so shout out to them. But like I mean, granted New Mutants has pretty much been set up to fail for two Oh yeah. Years, it's like I I didn't realise like, how long it'd been doing this until like yeah. they released that video and it's like this was meant to come out at the beginning of twenty eighteen. It has been... It's kind of the, the opposite of Justice League, where it was like about to come out, but then they decided to do cuts, to do like a whole new cut, and then that didn't happen, and then the Disney Fox deal happened, and then like just all that kind of stuff, and so... Yeah, it's just been constantly pushed back, and I'm like... So we got the announcement trailer, this is coming out August 28th, we even got a new trailer hyping up... Um, the movie and hyping up the fact it's still got his horror elements are still doing what they've done before did we see the trailer what do we f what are our feelings then you know like Cameron you said like I'll believe it when I see it but yeah what are the rest of the feelings towards this then to, to New Mutants this kind of last hang on of the Fox's X-Men universe in in general so Cameron and I are going to have a discussion about it apocalypse later on mm. but i've always like i'm always doubtful about any new x-men movie just because how badly most of them have done yep and or been like i feel like logan was the only good x-men movie that came out of fox holding on to those rights but, like, so I'm always just like, oh, they're making another X-Men movie? Let's watch it to see how bad it is. And if it's even, like, fairly decent. Um, so, in terms of new mutants, I've always, like, I'm just skeptical. And again, like, I'll believe it when I see it. And whether or not it's good, it will be another matter. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can completely understand that. You know, Fox definitely does not have the best track record of what they did with the X-Men franchise. I do think there are some enjoyable movies. Don't get me wrong, I don't think they're on the level of like the MCU movies or anything like that. And um, but especially some of the early, like the first couple of X-Men movies and stuff, considering the era they came out in, like uh we started doing a series on here, you know, um like early two thousands movies, like so looking at superhero movies pre uh MCU the early 21st century and X-Men was one of the, the groundbreakers for that you know like in 2000 that dropped and between that and Spider-Man it changed the comic book you know movie landscape really 
and set up stuff so i think like, i think there's definitely great stuff in there but they've got way more misses than they've got hits absolutely yeah yeah and like i can't even actually tell you the last time i watched an x-men movie itself um yeah i think one of the better <laughs> things that has come out of i guess the the x-men storylines i mean granted it's not great but i definitely enjoyed gifted or the gifted hmm. um the the series um when that was coming out um but yeah in general yeah it's... gifted was a kind of sleeper hit like everyone literally mm -hmm. watched the trailers for that and thought this is going to be crap and then like people watched it and went oh wait a minute this is actually really good <laughs> This is actually yeah, a really like, good show. I'm like, it, way better than I had any right to be. They did such a great job just, like, humanizing the mutants and kind of just, like, they're, they're actually, like, within their conflicts within standard society and the opposition against them. It, it was a phenomenal series for, especially by comparison to the X-Men movies. I oh, yeah. Say. I mean, the movies just got worse and worse. There were some great hits, like, um, like I like some of the early ones. Uh, Days of Future Past was probably one of their best movies they did. I think they handled that really well, like bringing both casts together for that. Um, I thought it was done really well, but like, I mean, some of them are just absolutely awful. Like Apocalypse is so bad. From the moment I saw the look of Apocalypse when they released that picture, I, all I could think was, oh no, I've seen cosplayers do better Apocalypse outfits than that movie studio pulled off. <laughs> Like, literally, I've seen pictures of somebody posted of, like, a cosplayer, and it looks just like the X-Men 1992 cartoon version of Apocalypse, and it looks so good, and I'm like, how did he pull that off? He's a cosplayer. You're a movie studio. Yeah. But, and then, I, I can't even comment on Dark Phoenix, I never even watched it, and I have no intention of watching it. I, I, I saw the trailer, and I'm like, nope. I'll say, it has really good effects. <laughs> they actually like, like that's about like that's the like that's the only if you can't you say something nice then, yeah that like, literally sounded like a scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to find some like, sort of compliment yeah. for them there it's like it's got good effects and, and it's aesthetically say, pleasing the like that the version of cyclops they have in dark phoenix is not awful um and they misuse storm <laughs> but he's also not like, great he's not yeah he's it also not great not yeah. awesome. Like he's not. Cyclops in general is one of those characters that's in that ground anyway. Right. Yeah. It's like it's, you either really right. like Cyclops or you're kind of like, eh. He exists. <laughs> yeah, he's a mutant. He's a mutant. And um, we've got ads in the chat saying, "I like what they did with Quicksilver. Puts Avengers version to shame." To be fair, well, and we'll talk about this later. The Avengers version puts Quicksilver to shame, like. It's just not a good use of that character. Ah, uh, no. I just... It's true. I, I watched that movie and I'm like, there's literally no reason for you to be here. There's literally not. Right. Like, you, you can literally not be in this... You have no factor in this movie and it's the only movie you're in. Yeah, I mean, the most productive <laughs> thing that he does is move people out of the way from a train. Yeah. Yeah. Like... And... I, you it, remove him from the movie and still have a complete movie that makes sense. Yeah, that's literally one of my complaints when I was watching it. I'm like, and as much as I love Scarlet Witch, you can even say that about her in this movie. Like, you can literally take the two of them out, and it has no bearing on anything. 
yeah. outside of just the setting up for the future. Yeah, uh, but yeah. even at that, it's like, well, it sets up the future of Scarlet Witch. There is no future to set up for Quicksilver, which, you know, spoiler for a movie that came out in, what, 2014? Right. And that's that's the problem with the MCU, <laughs> Quicksilver. It was very, it's very clearly set up that that he will die in that movie. Like, mm-hmm. even if you, like, if you just look at how they t- treat the characters side by side, it's very obvious early on that Scarlet Witch is going to live and be a oh, prominent yeah. part of the MCU. <laughs> and quicksilver yeah because she has a personality right (laughs) exactly she has character development and growth and quicksilver just runs so (laughs) all right so i have one last major thing on our news i want to just kind of throw out there i don't want to delve further into avengers just yet because we're going to get into all of that in a sec Mm -hmm. and this one i wanted to mention because we talked about it on our news a, a couple of weeks ago was it was a big announcement of a crossover between the Transformers franchise and the Back to the Future franchise. This result. My question is how? Yeah. <laughs> well, initially, like Those two this... did not the, the DeLorean to is a Transformer, actually. I, I yeah, like just... literally, this started off with that. <laughs> this is apparently a bigger thing than I thought. When we announced it, it looked like there was some images of it, like, and it was um, a new Transformer, a new Autobot called Gigawatt that um, time traveled, which is basically a DeLorean that transformed uh i thought it looked pretty sweet and apparently they were releasing a toy of this at first it looked like it was just going to be the toy released exclusively to walmart walmart underestimated how many people wanted this and it sold out in seconds in pre-orders so like even even later that day i went to look and have a look at it and was like yep they're gone i'm like (laughs) and then they came out and went Oh yeah, this is actually going to be a thing because both properties are owned by and comics are owned by IDW Publishing. It's a great comic house. If you like some of this sort of stuff, they do a lot of actual like well-known property series. And there's going to be a four-issue mini-series of Transformers crossing over with Back to the Future from Kevin Scott and Juan Samu, if I'm saying his name correctly. Um, I don't know any of their work specifically off the top of my head um, and it says two of the greatest science fiction franchises of the 1980s will collide this fall in an all new comic book crossover event Transformers Back to the Future written by Kevin Scott best selling author and writer of IDW Star Wars Adventures and illustrated by Juan Samu uh, Marvel Action Black Panther the four issue miniseries will debut in October from IDW Publishing in the debut issue, Marty McFly returns from the adventure of a lifetime to a new, better hill valley. That is, until Marty and his friend Doc Brown's time machine attracts the attention of the Decepticons. With one small mistake, Marty finds himself once again thrust into action to unravel a Decepticon plot in the past, present and future. Now with the help of a new, converting time machine, the Autobot called Gigawatt. Sure. So yeah, this is still going to be better than the movies. Yeah, <laughs> the most recent movies where it's it just wouldn't like, be oh, wouldn't we'll be that. hard to be fair. Right. <laughs> really? This would actually make a good movie. Like this would actually probably be one of the better movies that's come out recently. If it, if they made this into a live action movie too. Yeah, it, like it, it very goes along with their theme. It's like what's next? Dinosaurs, knights. It's like just gradually. Hey, what's what? What about Back to the Future? Yeah, well, we've, well, we've like, went into the past okay, for these stories, it. so let's actually do time travel now. Why not? Exactly. I'm not going to lie. They've been here all along. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm up for this, you know, especially since it's very much based on, like, more 1980s, like, Transformer stuff, which is where the comics kind of converge off of. And crossing that over with Back to the Future, I'm like, 
I'm in. I like Transformers. I like Back to the Future. I'll give it a go. I mean, it's a four-issue miniseries. Like, it's not a massive investment. I'm like, could be really good. If not, it's Back to the Future and Transformers. Like, I don't see them getting it that badly. Right, and it, yeah, it's not a huge investment. So, I mean, like, if it goes buzz, it's like, well, total production was how much versus letting a movie go bust. You know? Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. just it's just a fun concept in general yeah i mean i love i love when they do crossover stuff in these things because we've seen crossovers from idw before they've done crossovers with other companies obviously the most famous kind of being like the teenage mutant ninja turtles with batman and stuff like that they've done cross hey bursted for days thank you so much for the host brother i appreciate it um but yeah we've seen like crossovers from them before like they did a massive crossover with like the teenage mutant ninja turtles and the ghostbusters series in their comics which is actually fairly decent it's actually really well done considering you like those properties really probably shouldn't mix actually it was all right it was fairly it was enjoyable enough to pick up in a comic let's put it that way you know would it work as a movie probably not but as a comic hell yeah let's do it or fan films sometimes i love fan films when they pick up just oh yeah like the fan film power rangers yeah, that was so good. That like trailer, or that, that. It wasn't like a full film, but it was like, what, like a five, ten minute thing? Yeah. And, yeah. They, and they got some <laughs> really, the thing is, that was a fan-made thing, and it's like, they got some really big names for that, considering. Um, the effects are better than many, like, feature films. Oh, I know. I uh, just want to shout so out to good. the chat, I am L. Tommy, saying that sounds exciting, Transformers and Back to the Future, yes. Um, and thank you as well for that host, Tommy, I absolutely appreciate it, brother. But yeah, it's like I, personally, I'm I'm on board for this. I'm on board to check it out. If it's crap, it's like, it's four issues. You know, it's not going to break your bank. It's like, what's that? Twenty bucks. You exactly. Know? Yeah. It's like it's it, it's not bank breaking to go and check this out. And you know what? It may actually be, you know, enjoyable. Any sort of crossover, I'm generally like, yeah. Let's see how it goes. You know, crossovers are always fun. Not just saying that because we're in the middle of a crossover right now. <laughs> It all ties together. My whole life is a crossover. Okay, that 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 requires more questions asked there, really. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> like, in what Please way? <laughs> Who are you constantly crossing over with, and why? <laughs> don't ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> just don't ask. Just accept and go. Just all right. So that's pretty much it for our news this week. There was nothing else major that kind of came up this week that really to delve into. Um, if there's anything in the chat you guys heard this week, want to throw in, go ahead, throw it out there. But, you know, at this mark, I think it's a good time to kind of jump over and start talking about the MCU Phase 2. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. So let's start off. Overall arching feelings of this phase. We kind of were talking about it early on when we were kind of before we started the streaming stuff what's your overarching feelings looking back at this phase because you know i know looking back at phase one we kind of had a feeling of you know what it still holds up pretty well it's clearly early superhero movies but for the most part they're all still pretty good and pretty enjoyable what's your overarching feelings of phase two and phase two just for everyone in chat we're talking about is iron man 3 thor the dark world Captain America Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers Age of Ultron, and Ant-Man. That's the official MCU Phase 2 is those six movies. I don't know why they ended it with Ant-Man and not an Avengers film. 
Well, they do the same thing in Phase Three. There's, yeah, uh, like I, I, I've, the Avengers filmed and the Spider-Man at the end. They kind of just give you a nice little conclusion thing. Yeah, it's just like a like, nice little thing at the end. Because I always felt like Avengers: Age of Ultron was like at the end of Phase Two, and like Ant-Man was the start of the next one because it ended with Avengers at the end of Phase One, and it's like, no, no, that's that's part of Phase Two. Like, okay, right. That was the original plan. Ant-Man was supposed to be a Phase Three movie, and then they're like, yeah, just end it for phase well it'll be the close for phase two and they kind of do it as like a breakup from like the seriousness that it is the yeah. avengers films yeah and going Age of Ultron straight into civil war mm. i guess there still would have been ant-man in the middle but like the ant-man would have just been in phase yeah. three but like if like, like oh yeah you, you needed that ant-man break war heavy movies yeah you need right. that ant-man yeah, break in the middle definitely very light-hearted in comparison to the movies that bookend it you've got age of ultron and Civil War, which are very like politically, you know, focused in comparison to Ant Man, which is just this normal guy who happens upon an Ant Man suit. Yeah, it's kind of funny when you think of that because you've basically got Avengers two and Avengers two point five, these big yeah. massive stories, and then like right in the middle is just Ant Man, and it's almost like we need to put that there for a break, and because that way we can get him into Civil War. Right. Yeah. He's actually I mean, established well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was a good introduction for him. Um, what when i saw the trailer for ant-man i was very skeptical i was like this is gonna be a terrible movie it already looks horrible and then i was pleasantly surprised when i saw it so oh yeah i think a lot of people were i think this for me very much felt like this was the stuff where like we started testing the waters like i mean i don't know if you remember early 2014 when they when before we even got a trailer for guardians of the galaxy that's a massive property now. Everyone involved in that is a huge name. No one knew who they were. Comic book fans were not big fans of Guardians of the Galaxy. It was not a property worth investing in. Ant-Man. No, nobody knew who Ant-Man was. He was such a small, minuscule character. No pun intended. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's and like, to an extent, like the story of the MCU. Like, yeah. Iron Man yeah, wasn't as big of a thing. Thor, even Captain America. Oh like, yeah, X Men was the property. It was X Men and Spider Man. Yeah, and that's why they were sold off. Yeah, they sold was... them off because no, the, Sony like literally. There's a story of like the Sony turned down buying some of these other characters. They only wanted Spider Man. And it's so it funny looking back now of like that. Yeah, they weren't a property back then, but like look what Marvel did with them, and I'm like, wow, I bet Sony's regretting that now. Yeah, definitely. Not that they would have done anything amazing with them, but I'm like, oh, this is what you could have done. I mean, people forget that with Iron Man, it was literally a gamble. If that had failed, it was done. John Favreau was not that big of a name as a director, and he fought for Robert Downey Jr., who was not a name that anybody wanted to work with at that point. No, he killed <laughs> he his career. Out of like rehab and everything, like, <laughs> his career was done. He was a nobody. He shot himself in the foot so many times. He got into drugs so many times, and Favreau fought for him. And yet, all those components without them, it wouldn't have worked. No one well, else would have worked in that role. There is like, I've seen it said mo so many times that Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. Like, oh yeah, they are one and the same. Like, I couldn't ever imagine anyone else in that role because he's he's, he's so he's much Tony. St yeah, he's so much he's Tony Stark so that they well. changed the comic to match him. Yeah. They literally like, changed Iron Man in the comics. If you read the comics pre-2008, Iron Man is nothing like the way Robert Downey Jr. plays him. Yeah. Nothing. 
and he, it just it works and it fits the character he fits the character of Tony Stark like even just hiding snacks around the set of the first Avengers <laughs> and he just like pulls that. out blueberries and offers them to Chris Evans in the middle of a scene like it just works with that character yeah it's completely unplanned but it works so. No, definitely, and I think that's it. No one else could have played that role. And so, since we're talking about Iron Man, let's delve into our opener for Phase Two, Iron Man Three. This was our open, our step back into the Marvel world after the epic that was Avengers. And it, like Avengers came out like May of twenty twelve, and there literally wasn't another Marvel movie to the start of twenty thirteen when this dropped. Heralded as one of the worst two MCU movies there are. Believed by most people, along with Thor The Dark World, to be the worst. Um, you know, in general, rewatching Phase 2, I have a new appreciation in general for these. Um, yeah, at the time when they came out, Iron Man 3 was super lackluster. Um, in general, villain was... was Meh. terrible very meh not very compelling i just have a grudge um <laughs> and but i don't know it was it it's such a cool movie though in general because you see all you the development for tony himself is the important piece yeah. of this movie yeah. that we get to see through the end of phase three and phase four um and anything that he's in um and also seeing all his iron man suits that is by mm -hmm. far one of my favorite things of this movie is just the final scenes where he summons all the suits that are just fighting on them by themselves and and everything it it's not great but i have a new appreciation for it just seeing how tony's character progresses from this point and the things that happen yeah. in this movie well and that's a that's a point that i was going to bring up about it was the one thing that i really enjoyed about Iron Man 3 was that you got to see the humanity of one of the big name heroes in this series, Tony Stark. Like, up to that point, he was this billionaire, cocky, like, he just was full of himself. And then you see him after the events of, of the Avengers just like fall into a pit of despair, like any normal human being would after, like, throwing a nuke into a giant wormhole and basically sacrificing yourself. He's just going to get super depressed and not know what to do with himself. So it showed very much a human side of what was, what, like a big superhero that he was held up as before yeah. that. And that was like the one big thing that I really enjoyed about that movie. Even though the rest of it, like the main villain was eh, and all of that, like it just displayed Tony as a human being because that's what he was. He wasn't this god of Asgard or a super soldier or yeah. not that any of those other characters aren't human or any less of a human being than Tony but um, they weren't played up to be this perfect super rich person um, and they some of those characters had already had some of those points of humanity absolutely yeah okay i hope y'all are ready all right I, i've been waiting for hot this. take i'm ready hot for the hot take. take so um 
so I will say overall, phase two was a lot better than I remember. Um, this was my first time going back and watching a handful of these movies. Like I'd seen them all before. This is my first time rewatching. Um, and I'll say this Iron Man three up until like one hour and eight minutes is the best movie in phase two. I love the fact you've got the exact moment it goes downhill though. Like yeah. hour and eight minutes and then. <laughs> right. Cause it's like, I was watching it um, and I was like, is this movie good? Like I like legitimately was watching through it. And I'm like, I don't remember like loving this movie, but I am so into this. Then there's a quote partway through the movie that I wrote down um, where Rhodey and Tony are talking and um, Rhodey says, this is the Mandarin. And Tony says, I know it's kind of embarrassing, which perfectly sums up the flip that happens in that movie. Right. When that twist happens Yeah. where everything up until that twist is so good and is so interesting. Then the back half of the movie is just garbage. Like from a storytelling perspective, I love the suits. Like they're super underused. Like that. Like, and, and I think Iron Man three would, if you were to go and remake every movie in the MCU for some reason, Iron Man three is the movie that would improve the most with what they've learned. Like I think that the core story of Iron Man three could have been the best movie in the MCU. It was just executed so poorly with that twist. Like if they would have actually just had the um, the Mandarin be the Mandarin, mm -hmm. would have been a great movie. I... Like, but they were so reliant on wanting it to be Killian that like it just trashed the whole last yeah. half of the movie. I I got I kind of agree with that For actually. Sure. I think if that twist hadn't happened, I would consider it a lot better of a movie. I think. Yeah. because like if you remove that twist and even remove the elements because that's the thing for me like i'm going to say this up front like i actually enjoy watching iron man 3 for the most part right, like, it's it's an enjoyable movie to watch if i don't sit down i don't analyze it it's like sitting down to watch batman and robin yeah deep down it's not that great of a movie but you know what it's a it's a fun time i'll sit and enjoy it's it it's not bad enough to be just the worst time ever when you watch it exactly it's not that bad um, oh, let me jump into the chat quickly before I go on. Uh, Bursted for Days has a few comments just saying, going back to the crossover we were talking about, I think crossovers are good as long as they've been taken serious. They do a good job in the details and tie them together and plot makes sense. Yeah, if, if the crossovers have a lot of input in them, 100%, I would agree with that. Uh, regarding Robert Downey Jr. says, hands down, he was born to be on that role. Yeah, absolutely. He is Tony Stark. And he says, I agree with that. The twist through the movie on the trash pile for me. Like, that was the big thing, was... The problem with me for the movie is that they didn't rely upon the Mandarin. Their big bad was extremists. Right. They tried to set that up from early on. Like, And even Killian wasn't the original villain. It was meant to be the, the chick. I don't even remember her name. Oh, yeah. Like, the woman he sleeps with, it creates extremists. She was mm -hmm. meant to be the big bad, and then for some, there was some rumor that apparently they were worried she wasn't going to sell toys because it was a female bad, and I'm like... And I went and looked, at, went back and watched the movie and went, yeah, you could have made her the villain. It's still a crap movie with that twist. That, that's not a better twist. Right. No. And so one of the things that I wrote down, because um, for chat, I wrote down some notes as I was going through and rewatching them just so mm -hmm. I could remember everything. One of my notes for Winter Soldier is... Um, imagine if the twist that was in the Winter Soldier was the same as Iron Man 3 like if it was setting up Bucky as the Winter Soldier and just kidding it's extremists 
Yes. Like, it's just like <laughs> that. Like, I don't know if they were just too worried about those twists being, well, not being twists. Like, I guess is the way to say that. Yeah. Like, like it's just like, it's just, I don't know who greenlit that decision and it just doesn't make sense no because like, like the thing is is like you set up the mandarin so well like see if you take out right. what he was don't get me wrong one of my guilty pleasures for the mcu is trevor slattery <laughs> see when you find out ben kingsley is actually trevor Slattery, i'm not gonna lie i find him hysterical it's awful in terms of storytelling but there's something about me that just loves ben kingsley just been allowed to go off in this random direction <laughs> I don't know what it is or something about me that loves like just getting to see that but in terms of the movie i'm like you had this perfect mandarin definitely yeah. the videos with the great. 10 rings like on all this stuff he was doing even the the background to it of like all the stuff that's from our culture that is actually american and it's actually making things worse it's actually fake here's how we're going to do this and i'm like you could have done all that stuff get rid of extremists like oh we can't find bomb parts i'm like let them find bomb parts. Just plant bombs. Just be that sort of terrorist you were doing just fine. Have, just have the Mandarin be the one behind extremists. Yeah. Like, like exactly. Like, or yeah, something along those lines. Yeah, just I have him be that sort of part. I'm like, you don't it's need like, the twist. You could literally, if that's the thing for me, is like that. The chick that's in part of it. Oh, I am so sorry for yep. our chat. A bunch of people are getting timed out. I have no pro, no idea why it's not telling me. I absolutely apologize. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. My chat's getting people kicked out for some reason. Oh no. I, I apologize. Um, As I said a few weeks ago, we got our skeet spot. He is our new chatbot. He is new at this. He still isn't quite working properly. Uh, oh, it looks like we were trying to share links. Oh, was it links? Okay, that'll be why then. Um, I don't know what links you're trying to share. He's very iffy on links. If it's if it's links to like a clip or something like that, best case is probably share it to our social media pages. And um, if it's for other stuff, write it in the chat, tell us what it is, and I'll try and put it in. So I absolutely apologize for that. Um, did I miss any actual conversation during that? Ben's Kelly is a junkie in the movie. It's very disappointing. Yeah. And hey, werewolf, how you doing? Good to have you in, brother. Um, so yeah, apologize to anyone that was sharing stuff. If it was something good, if it's not, then. You know, it was deleted for a reason. <laughs> but yeah, I think we had a great villain in the Mandarin. I think he was absolutely awesome for what he was. Right. And then I that think, twist, like you could literally have taken out the woman that made Extremis and could have taken out Maya Killian. By the way. And legitimately it wouldn't have changed anything on that storyline. Like you could have taken that out, just had the Mandarin and it would have played out so much better just like that. Because like even the stuff of like him setting off the bomb that takes out happy and when tony like you know challenges him come to my front door come to my house and he sends the missiles and he blows up tony all of that stuff's amazing i mean like yeah. up until that like one hour like, and eight that's minutes, phenomenal like i want to see more of that right i think the extremist portion is important for this just because you like just having a standard military power in the mcu at this point just isn't as exciting Mm. like that was the entire basis here like you just you you just got out of a major battle with world and what it world uh, world invading aliens yeah. and and now you just want to return back to dealing with standard politics no it's 
like you need a strong super powered villain at this point and that's yeah. where extremis came in so i think that was an important piece but yes i definitely agree with cameron that the twist was why <laughs> yeah that's like the unless twist you seemed... like directly yeah. tied him to like hydra that would have been all right because that would have right. set up for the yeah. rest of phase two yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they're even like kind of retconning this right with shang chi like they're bringing the actual ten rings in. And well, they like... actually retconned it, and like, see when they started doing some of those MCU shorts. There's mm -hmm. an MCU short that's called "Hail to the King," and it's about Trevor Slattery going to prison, and actually that the Mandarin is actually a real character. It's like Killing was never the real Mandarin; it was a name he took on. Yeah. And there is actually a real Mandarin who is the one we're going to end up seeing in the Shang Chi and the Ten Rings. Okay. Um. So they already kind of like. It was like immediately they felt the backlash for that and went, no, he's not the Mandarin. It's okay. We promise. And it's like, okay, yeah, but like you literally had a perfect Mandarin. Who you yeah. could have and even like, brought back for this. You could have even and brought him back for Shang-Chi, like, bring Ben Kingsley back. And I mean, you could technically can. They did acknowledge that the guy was offered, like, plastic surgery was performed. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like, so you, like I mean, be, you, you, can, you can manipulate this in a such a way that you can bring him back as the Mandarin in his actual character. Um, but yeah, like you might could be actually do it. You know, it's like I just I felt like I don't know. I felt like there was a major story, and it like literally felt like someone just went, "Oh, what if we did this and did a twist at the end?" for no reason. I mean, it literally feels like they had this contained story that would have actually been pretty decent. It would have been good. Like. The writing, for the most part, was great. Um, I wasn't a fan of the early stuff, like the whole relationship drama between Tony and Pepper, but as I went back and rewatched the Iron Man movies, I kind of get fed up with that anyway. Like, I was the same in Iron Man 2, and I'm like, you two are just not entertaining to watch together. Like, I think I gave... I think that was one thing going back and rewatching these movies, is, like, when this first came out, I was a lot more forgiving of the Marvel movies because I was totally fanboyed in after Phase 1. Like everything they did, I'm like this is this is a good movie. I can see what they were trying to do, and it was like, and looking back on it, I'm like, no, you really were missing the mark on some of this stuff that just it didn't hit, you know. Mm -hmm. I think one of my biggest gripes for this movie though was after the amazing kind of like final fight. Like I love the final fight with all the Iron Man suits and stuff. Absolutely brilliant, you know, done a great job with that. I love seeing the different suits with the different powers and all this. They make this whole big bit at the ending of him blowing up the Iron Man suits and him having the you know, the arc reactor taken out of his chest, all this stuff. And it's pointless. Because the very next time we see him following this movie is the beginning of Avengers, where he's back in an Iron Man suit and he's built this Iron Legion that's working with him and he's doing all this stuff, which you can argue, like, okay, after the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D., the Avengers needed to step in. But, like, literally the very ending and all this stuff he does, like, I don't need the suit. I am Iron Man. So let me go and build a suit and all these other robots to help with this. <laughs> Yet but again. But just blew up. Yeah, like... Yeah. And you build this Iron Legion, like you could have literally just kept these suits. They were all working autonomously anyway. You could have literally just kept all of that, and like and kept your own Iron Man suit. Like he goes through this whole big thing to destroy it all, and then it's like, no, nah, I'll still just do it. Right, and I was like, th that's definitely something I was going to bring up when we got to Age of Ultron. Was wait, 
did Iron Man three happen for Tony? <laughs> yeah. Can I also get just out of order with, Iron, with all the Iron Man movies? Like you mentioned going back, like I um Iron Man two completely retcons the relationship growth that Tony and Pepper or yeah Tony and Pepper have had. It completely retcons it, and then like this time it kind of was like a half retcon. Yeah. Where it's like part of it's like they're they're actually like together and stuff, but like it still retcons some of their growth yeah. out. I, th I don't know if it's better or worse because Iron Man 2, like if you look at the background stuff for that, it didn't have a script. Like so much scenes between them is just ad-libbed. This one actually had a script, so I don't know if that makes it better or worse, to be honest. Mm. Um, But yeah, you're right though, it's like it just it retcons all this stuff. And, like, and can I just throw in as well, like at the end of that, like he gets rid of all these suits and you see him at where his house used to be. He takes the arc reactor and throws it into the ocean. Flashback to Iron Man 2. You created a new element that was self-sustaining. And you just threw it away. Yeah. You literally just threw it into the ocean. I'm like, it's not like that can be used for anything else. Like, yeah, because that wasn't the point of the previous <laughs> Iron Man's either. Yeah, like, you, you were dying. This you crazy technology in this size and... It has this crazy power source. Imagine if it fell into the wrong hands. And I'm going to throw it into the ocean and just see if someone random finds it. Yeah, and just hope it never comes back. And I'm like... Which someone would in the real world. Right. If, yeah, like someone, someone's watching him. Someone knows where he is and what he did. And they're going like, to go right back in there and find it. Even if they're not watching him, like... What does he throw it in the ocean? Does he do it at a random place? No, he does it where his house used to be. You don't think right. there's people under there scavenging? Like, oh, I wonder what Stark tech he left behind that sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. And just I mean, digging around. They're like, oh, look, there's an arc reactor. I'll take that. You see that with Homecoming. Like, there's yeah. people that are, like, yeah. scavenging, like, trying to clean up New York City. Like, someone's got to come clean up the house that fell off the cliff into the ocean. Yeah. yeah like, like, you don't think they're going to have a new nice arc reactor with this new element? I'm like, really? It just it didn't make sense to me. Like, that whole ending part, I'm like, I get what they were trying to do, but I'm like, you know that Age of Ultron's coming up. You know what role Tony's going to play in that. There's no way you don't. What were you thinking? <laughs> I mean, I guess his, like, how, what he's building kind of changes a little more. Like, I mean... It changes a little more, but even then, like he destroys all his Iron Man suits and like, right. But he's automatically got another one, and it's like, did you keep one? Because you you very heavily hinted that you got rid of them all, and then even though he's like designing other stuff, that was one of the big issues for this. Was don't get me wrong, I love the way they handled his PTSD in this because, like, as we said, he's just a guy, and he went through all this crap in New York, and it's like, and he's dealing with the PTSD of that, which is awesome. He would be. Mm -hmm. but the way he coped with that was building Iron Man suits and I'm like and then he gets free of that and then he just goes right back to building okay they're not Iron Man suits but they're Iron Man droids you know it's still basically the same thing he just goes back to that obsession you know and I'm yeah. like I just I don't know there was just there was so much in here that I looked at and just kind of went why did you do that and that that was the stuff that kind of ruined it for me was like this has no point or why did you do this because this comes up later in a totally different way or like you had the perfect villain and you changed it it was just there was so many questionable things and this for me like i can still sit and watch it and enjoy it but actually when i stopped and thought about stuff i'm like wait a minute that doesn't make sense yeah 
you know? I think it'd been really interesting if this movie was the end of phase one. Like, mm. like imagine like seeing this end and then getting a like two year gap before the next MCU movie. Yeah, and so that could have been interesting. Would, yeah, we then would have been left with like, oh, is he done as Iron Man? Yeah, because yeah. like for a long time there was like contract disputes and stuff with him, so it was right. like there literally would have been a question of is he coming back? Right, but instead it's the start of Phase Two, and like, well, it's it's still like a couple years, right, or a year until Age of Ultron. Yeah. Um, like it's still not that or two years, yeah. It's still not that far away in the grand scheme of things versus if like when you have movies in that gap versus if the MCU is completely quiet. No, absolutely, absolutely. And that's the thing, that would have been a really interesting take on it. And it would have made more sense. Even that would have helped it a little bit. Like, don't get me wrong, it wouldn't have sorted the villain problem. But even the ending, it would have been like, okay, yeah, he's he may actually be done. This may actually be a good wrap up. Yeah. You know? For me, the ending just, it felt like the end of Iron Man 2. When it went felt through like the... the end of Iron Man 1. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, the end of Iron Man 2, where they do the whole thing of Nick Fury meeting with him. And, like, okay, yeah, you're not ready to be. You can be a consultant, but you're not going to be an Avenger. Which is, like, the most pointless scene ever filmed before Avengers, because, like, you know he's going to be an Avenger. In the very next movie he shows up in, you know, it's like, it's... I get you're trying to do something, but someone didn't go, wait a minute. Didn't we say this thing before? Yeah. You know. Alright. We will push on with more of the MCU face. Any last thoughts on Iron Man 3 before we move on to arguably the other worst movie in the MCU in most people's minds? I'm ready. No? I'm ready. Alright. Let's delve in then to Thor The Dark World. I'm going to go last because I might okay. rant. So my very Ooh. first note for this is why do the dark elves look so dumb? Like we talked about this with apocalypse. Like why do they just look so bad? What you don't like, like the plastic masks? Just like you know, <laughs> <basically>, yes. <laughs> but it's just like that's such a weird decision when like the main dark elves look pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But, like, why do the grunts, like, look so awful? And you compare them to the Asgardians. Because... And they actually, like... Because it saves them money of not having to put people in makeup by just giving them, like, a black, like, onesie that comes up over their head and then putting a white mask on them. Yeah, too, I mean, that's a very good point. <laughs> that's literally the only reason I can come up with. It's just, it's just so weird. Cause it, and it's, like, the very beginning of the movie. Like, it, that's what it opens on, is the Dark Elves. Yeah. And it's just, like, why... It, it's kind of like in... Um, justice league where one of the first shots of henry cavill is the one with a very very bad like editing why is that your stats. opening shot <laughs> yeah and it's just like why is this the beginning yeah like just just why like any like you're, any... you're setting a precedence for exactly. the rest of the movie yeah pretty exactly. much yeah uh, yeah that, that was just my initial thought just like on that very first five minutes it's just yeah but why? literally for me, the biggest reason I was excited for this movie is because Christopher Eccleston was in it, and he's the ninth Doctor, so I'm always going to find a connection to Doctor Who. So that was, like, the biggest reason I was excited <laughs> for it, and then the oh, rest yeah. of the time I was like, eh, okay, like, 
I'm really just here for the nice doctor as the big baddie, and like that's it. Cool. Bye. Yeah. In so. <laughs> in general, Phase Two struggles with villains. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just like, okay. Touche. Okay, fine. But <laughs> I wouldn't say Thor of the Dark World is my least favorite in this phase. Um, mm. Granted, again, at the time, it's pretty bad. Um, but again, the events that take place for Thor in this are very important for his development and really explain his depression in in Endgame. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, this is where he loses his mother. This is where ultimately the last interaction he really has with uh jane foster um and everything and kind of sets that all up in a pretty decent way again yeah. all in all a lackluster movie but um kind of i would just say uh important also just a different in different tone than the other thor movies right. um as a result but definitely not my least favorite rewatching it again yeah. To me, this is the most, like, I feel like I could not pay attention and not miss much. Mm -hmm. Like, because basically, yeah. like, to Chris's point, any scene that, like, Thor isn't, like, directly in, it's just kind of like, why, like, why is this happening? Yeah. Like, they do, yeah. um, and I'll say this as someone who is so excited for Thor Love and Thunder, and the Mighty Thor is one of my favorite characters. Yes. Like, they did Jane Foster so dirty in this movie, like which, which is, like, really by did. no means a hot take. Like, it's, it's, it's just, like, well known that that happened. But, like, mm -hmm. they just have such a cool idea of what they could do. They, I was, I've been talking about this with the Infinity Bros, and, like, they give, like, Jane Foster the Aether, and then, like, this could set up how she was going to become the Mighty Thor. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, like, it's, it's a really interesting way to introduce the Infinity Stones. Like, I completely forgot that, that, that this happened before Guardians. Yeah. So I always associate, yeah. like, and, like, and while I don't know if they actually, like, say the word Infinity Stone in this. It's like, definitely I, the movie where they start introducing them, though. Yeah, right. they hint heavily. Infinity War right. storyline. Yeah, because I think they right. talk about there being six of these things, and one of them is this a like stuff like that, and it's again kind of like Iron Man three. There were some like really good gems in this, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then like just as like a whole, the rest of the movie is just like, hey, remember that time in Avengers when we stuck Loki in a in a trap and he got out? Like, <laughs> let's stick Loki in a trap again. And like, Let's sure, he doesn't get, right? Like, and sure, like he doesn't get out the same way. Like, Thor actually lets him out, but it's just like, come on, yeah, like, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, just going to the chat versus for day saying I have those comics and they are so good. And um, if you're referring to the Mighty Thor stuff, yes, it's amazing. It's like if if you have not read Thor comics, go read Jason Aaron's run, and then its entirety mm -hmm. is enjoyable itself, but partway through when it changes over to the mighty mm -hmm. Thor when Jane Foster becomes Thor so good so good written to the point of like I was on... I'd be like okay. I'm so happy with her staying Thor like just keep him as Odin's mm -hmm. son and have her as Thor and I'll be okay with that right. mm -hmm. and it used to be on Amazon Prime reading you could actually read through the beginning of it the, the first um, collection Ooh, of like nice. graphic novel for free if you have Amazon Plus 
or Amazon I've Prime. I've got that in paperback, and I really yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it's such a good story, and that story makes me also depressed for this as well, and I'll get into that in a moment. <laughs> um, hey, but we're getting it. Like, yeah. it's finally happening. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm so excited for that. Like, I, I love Ragnarok. I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's too funny, it's too over the top with that. I'm like, I really enjoy Ragnarok. I'm up for Taika Waititi yeah. doing anything else with Thor. I'm like, I'm good. Well, yeah, that, Taika. that fits with Thor's character. Again, kind of like um, Robert Downey Jr. with Iron Man. That it really felt like that sort of slapstick humor worked really mm -hmm. well with the character and personality of Thor and where he was coming yeah. from and where he was going. It definitely so, fits Chris Hemsworth's Thor, I think. You know, like if you went to the comics, it, it wouldn't translate as well. No. But the way that like Chris Hemsworth's portraying Thor, it comes across really good, and you still see him as yeah. this, as the god of thunder, as this threat. They portray it really well, like the humorous side of him, and then complete, you know, badass on the bridge, like when he's coming down with the lightning coming out of him and stuff. Like they managed to weigh it up really well. I felt. I feel like also like in terms of the development of this character, kind of him suppressing his grief, he overreacts with humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think in general, just looking at, it, like, an analysis of his character. Yeah. That's why Ragnarok was ultimately so good following this. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And moving through and forward in that humor, he just kind of does that because he hasn't, he doesn't really get time to grieve in this. I mean, there's the funeral, but then you he immediately goes into other events and, yeah. and everything. It's just, he doesn't, he hasn't had time. And ultimately, it like that's what results in in this end game Thor we get at the very end where yeah it's like mm -hmm. I've been playing video games and yeah way too much well that's it it's like it's I think that's what makes end game interesting because you get the kind of compounding of this like he's never really dealt with that grief of what happened yeah. with his mother and then obviously you get to Infinity War where like most of the Asgardian people start to get wiped out they save some as we see but like Thanos attacks and basically wipes them out like that and then to follow up with the fact if he carries that weight of he didn't stop Thanos, he had that shot and he didn't succeed. You could say he threw away a shot. Yes, <laughs> he <Wow>. did. <laughs> really, we're going Hamilton references, really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like he takes that shot, doesn't work, and it's like, and it all just compounds on each other, and it's like, and when it finally hits him, it's like, yeah, he can kind of just go and grieve and just have it weigh on him because there's nothing really that requires him to not be like that mm -hmm. you know but for my take on like Dark World my initial thing with this was I just find this movie so boring like mm -hmm. so many times like, there's some great moments in it there's some brilliant moments in it and I just felt it was so boring and some of it was just so by the numbers like I absolutely hate when they're on Earth. Like when we're getting that whole intro stuff with Jane and the side characters, I hate the side characters in Thor so much. I can put up like Jane I can put up with, she's good. You know, I do think they screwed her over in this movie, which is why Natalie Portman left for like forever. Before finally deciding to come back. Um Thank you, Taika. You know, it's thank like you, yeah, thank you so much for that, Taika Waititi. Oh may he rain. You know, um, I love Selvig. I, I like Selvig in this. I like the fact that he's gone nuts after what Loki did to him. He's like, he's still functioning, but really not normally. I'm like, okay, yeah, he had Loki mess a bit with his head. I could see him go this route. The other characters, like Darcy and Ian, annoy the heck out of me. 
you do not need to be in this movie. I'm so glad they don't come back for Ragnarok. Please don't be in Love and Thunder. Please. Um, but once they get off of like, Earth and they go to Asgard, like he takes her to Asgard and I'm like, and all the stuff that happens there and all the stuff in the Dark World. Yeah, okay, I'm in. And then they come back to Earth for the finale and I'm like, really? And even that final fight isn't as good as... Like, I think in my head, I'm like, I could have written a better fight scene than that at the end. You the know? The idea that it's just not executed well. No. Like, the it's... idea of, like, the places that they could have teased in that fight. Yes, that's exactly like, what I was thinking. I was like, like you have the, universe, the, the nine worlds converging. Right. Reality is meant to be all over the place. This is a, the ether is the reality stone. Reality is getting warped in all sorts of ways. What happens It's reality warping? Oh, gravity's a bit off. Yeah, like imagine if we were to, and of course, like we don't know where they were at with like Doctor Strange and stuff, but imagine like if we'd gotten into like some of that stuff, we met Dormammu, mm. like even like just in passing, yeah. like things like that, like what they could have done with that, even in terms of things that weren't set up, but just references. Yeah. Even like, just shows the nine realms. Out. Even just shows right, the like, nine realms they talk yeah. about. They literally go from Earth to the Dark World to, um, they go to Jotunheim briefly. Like, that's it. Show us these amazing they worlds. They definitely could have used that element of it a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. And making it more and, interesting. And then the thing for me that I think just totally kills this movie, in my opinion, like, again, I'm a big Doctor Who fan. I love Christopher Eccleston. He, he was my Doctor. He's how I got into the yeah. show, was when it rebooted. Yeah. I fell in love with his Doctor, like, they announced him for this and I was so excited like Christopher Eccleston's going to rock this he rocks pretty much any role he yeah. does, he gets so invested in it he is so bad in this and it yeah. may not just be him it may just be the writing round about him yeah. Malekith has no personality he has nothing intriguing yeah. to him, nothing interesting and I'm like well, and I, I if you want to see Malekith know. done right, literally like I said, go read Jason Aaron's run Malekith shows yeah. up all the way through it, and then you want to see Malekith taking over the world, War of Realms, the big finale. Yeah. Did you see well, Christopher he said in an interview about his time as Malekith, Malekith that he really did not have a good time on set. Like, he had some issues with other crew members or something, and it was he just had a hard time on it. And yeah. He, so, like, I definitely agree. Um, like, I'm still going to be there, like, to, like, be excited about that. Um, yeah, like, I, that I'm i so excited that he was involved, yeah. But, like, um, I could definitely see, and I, just like you, where, like, it could have been, it could have been stronger, but at the same time, if he was having a hard time on set, then, yeah. like there's only so much that he can do to improve his performance in a tough situation. Yeah. And the rest is up to the other people. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what the, the directing was like on it. And, you know, it sucks to hear that both him and Natalie Portman had issues on this movie with the work that was happening that, you yeah. know, kind of put them off of it. It makes you start to think, you know, there wasn't a great working environment overall. You yeah. know, I mean, even Chris, Chris Enfor said that himself. He was like, 
he was ready to quit being Thor, like, once it was all done, and then as soon as he did Ragnarok with Taika Waititi, he's like, okay, I'm back on board for whatever you want to do. Like, it's yeah. just, it's so crazy how this movie is, like, even, like, just the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. Like, we almost lose so much. Like, imagine, like, even if, like, they still pull, like, the thing and Malekith dies or whatever. Like, if if you were to be ready to have him back as a recurring villain, similar yeah. to what happened with Loki, like if they actually gave him that growth, but nope, instead we've lost a really good actor. Yeah. Like, yeah. And same and to what y'all just said, it's it's like luckily we got Natalie Portman back, but like we like this movie almost cost so much yeah. in the realm of like really good talent. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely! Like we almost like, lost so much because of this movie. Take away TT coming on for Ragnarok saved the Thor franchise. It really did. Yeah. And I just wish we could get Eccleston back as Malekith and get him. See if you read him in the comics. He's a such. He's one of the biggest reoccurring Thor villains. He's yeah. there so often. Read War of Realms. The story of him basically taking over the Nine Realms and bringing this supernatural fight to Earth. It's like he's so charismatic. He's got such a massive personality. He is like he like he takes shots verbally at the heroes. He like completely tries to get in Thor's head. Like, you know he's like such a threat. I mean, like in the comics he literally takes Thor's arm off and he has to get this new arm because he literally cuts off his limb. Like these two have been battling for centuries, like you could have built this up so much in this and then even at the end when he disappears like well you've won the convergence is done it's not going to happen again for forever so you can at least let him run away and regroup and like come back okay like after ragnarok after what hella did like have him come back in the fourth movie like he has a new plan a new strategy a new way of doing things you know it's you could literally set up so much for him and they did nothing like the dark elves were like an afterthought like coming up to the finale you forget like they're even in it like like there's legitimately wait like, there's elves in this movie right it's, it's malekith and then i guess there's things in the background like yeah like the only other one apart from malekith that gets any sort of proper airtime is the dude that he turns on is it the cursed one yeah something like that which yeah. is like the, the black elf who's like always just hanging around and literally doing nothing but standing with malekith until he gets injected with something and then it becomes this beast, which leads to some great scenes, don't get me wrong, like the prison break scene and the Dark Elves attacking Asgard. Like, that stuff's great. I love that. Like, that's phenomenal. Like, seeing the Asgardians fighting them in Asgard, like, so much better than at the start of the movie, which is, like, you can literally have told us that in a storybook. Really to see them fight. Yeah. Like, because, like, so much of the focus is on Thor and Loki. Yeah. That, like, you don't really see that fight as cool, like, there's some of it for sure, and it's very cool. Yeah. But just, like, as much as it could have been. Yeah, like, I want to see a war. I want to see, like, these beings from the before the light existed who have been there since, like, the dawn of time fighting against... Like, you don't even get that motivation. Like, it's a throwaway line. Like, why is Malekith doing this? Like, oh, it's to, it's to wipe out the universe so it can go back to the way it used to be. I'm like, you blink and you miss that. Like, you barely get the motivation for them. Like, really? I'm like, yeah, the buildup is severely lacking, yeah. for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, the, the very little to redeem this one, all in all. And yeah. I mean, one thing also to note, since we are going into the second movie and third on, 
every in this phase they kill every villain yeah mm-hmm. like they kill off all the villains there's no recurring villains potential for for from phase two no there is the guy in age of ultron who becomes the bad guy for black panther but oh yeah he's not the main oh, yeah. villain. he's not the primary villain he's correct. not yeah. the primary villain he's a side character in age of ultron <laughs> which doesn't really work because he ends up getting killed off in black panther anyway right Right. right. It's like, no, he is the main villain. That was something that I didn't pick up on until I watched Age of Ultron again for um, Infinity War and Endgame. Like, I didn't realize the connection between the two until I rewatched it. But yeah. there is that guy who shows up for a brief moment. But he's still... Why does- why does everyone's left arm get chopped off in this phase too? <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's true. In Star Wars too, except for hands. Yeah. <laughs> right, like it, like literally, this phase is it, someone's arm gets chopped off in every movie. Yeah, that seems to be a reoccurring thing. I never like, thought about right, that actually, but yeah. right at right at the end of Iron Man, uh, Iron Man chops off Gillian's arm. Mm-hmm. Granted, he dies shortly after. Um, in Dark World, it's I a think, trick, but like Loki yeah, does it, cut off Thor's arm. Yeah. And yeah. doesn't Malekith ultimately, or no, not, not Malekith, um, someone lost both arms in the portal. Yeah, he gets his limbs taken off because they like to cut yeah. off with the, the devices, right. which. Can, I, can I throw that out there as well, by the way, for the big finale? Like, they kill him by basically tearing him apart using these teleporter things. The Thor has no idea what to do with them. He never asks what you do with them. He literally just grabs them and runs into this, like, ether tornado. <laughs> and I'm like, right. I literally thought about that. I'm like, what's he going to do with them? He has no idea what they are. He's not there for the setup. He's not a scientist. And so like, I will say, I like that that exists because, again, Jane Foster is a great character when you don't ruin her. Yeah. And, like, you get to see this person who's just a scientist like not a warrior but she's able to use science to basically save the world yeah like and then to your point somehow thor's also figured it out and he just yeah, thor's like oh if i throw these into him that'll beat him and i'm like how you you have no idea that'll work like really all right we've ranted a fair bit about thor the dark world and we still have four movies to go um <laughs> so let's move on to Arguably, in a lot of people's minds, still the best MCU movie. Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Thoughts on Winter Soldier? So again, the first note that I have on this one. It's crazy how much better this movie is than Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World. Yeah, it's like like Iron Man and Thor took this big dip and like Captain America just rocketed up. On your left. Yeah. They had me at that opening scene. That was more than enough. Just him constantly overtaking yeah. Sam. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, this movie sets up so much cool stuff. I love Steve and Natasha's relationship in this. Yes. Like, um, it's it's so cool to see them as basically like as Natasha's like trying to help him cope with being a normal guy, while also being Captain America. Yeah, I, I put in my notes as well. I love the fact that they didn't go the obvious route of making it a romantic relationship between them. 
Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. of them, they work together, they're friends, and like, oh, and there's something romantic. They're like, no, they're literally just, you know, best friends. They just, they click with each other. They just work well with each other. They bounce off each other. And it doesn't go any they're, further than that. Even though, like, we do see them, like, you know, acting coupley, you know, when they're on the run, we see them kissing, all that. It's literally just, you know, for them being a on the run. necessary part of the plot in terms mm -hmm. of, like, they are, as you said, on the run. Yeah. So they need to act like a couple because people are uncomfortable with PDA. <laughs> I, I love that. Like, even little things, like, she's like, kiss me. Like, public displays of affection make people uncomfortable. And it's, like, just that little thing of, like, that's so cool. Just that and little... Also, like, if you think about it, PDA does make people uncomfortable. So they're yeah. not going to look at you. Exactly. Like, I love little just, things like, like that in this movie. reality thing. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... When it comes to this movie, in all honesty, I, I can't praise this movie enough. Mm. Like, I don't know if it's my absolute favourite of the MCU. It's definitely, like, number three, probably. Some days it probably is number one, depending what day you ask me. Yeah. And, like, I, there's, I just, I watch this and I'm like, there's very little I can say negatively about this. It's still an amazing movie. I still love everything about it. The twists, the turns it takes, I, everything the, about yeah, it. Is, definitely no matter how you look at it technically just interesting or in terms of interest or technicals it's very good oh yeah absolutely unpopular opinion is this is not even in my like top five mcu movies okay we're going um, forward with three colors it's not really in my top five either but i don't <laughs> think it's like bad, i don't think it's the worst movie like no i definitely don't I, think it's terrible but it's it like I, I like everything it sets up. I think it does yeah. a great job in progressing, um, but there there's just a few things about it, especially with it being about the Winter Soldier. But he's such a small piece overall in this movie yeah. in general, and that kind of irritated me in general. Mm -hmm. Just the title moving into this, and then we don't even like really get glimpses. Like we see him, and then Natasha brings him up later on, and then finally we start seeing some development toward that era. Um, but well, in general, it's mostly about this conflict with and setting up Hydra. Like, that, that's what this yeah. movie is yeah. about. But that's there's nothing else you can really yeah. name it, though, without giving that away. That's the thing. Well, that's even... I mean, true, but... In a way, with Bucky overall, even after the events of this movie, you don't see a lot of him throughout the, like, phase mm -hmm. three and onwards. You don't see a lot of him... Um, just and which is also something I found really disappointing is like you yeah. dedicate this entire movie to kind of this big reveal and delegate him to this like kind of this background where we see him occasionally we see him in like oh well he's still here Black Panther let's give him a part here and let's yeah you know you kind of give him these cool things but we never yeah. see him fully realized and that's yeah. kind of what that's my biggest issue with this movie yeah, is. I can understand that. It's like, yes, we're getting the Winter Soldier. Yes, there he is. Okay, bye. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I mean, it's, he's definitely not as prominent. I think they play some well in terms of, like, setting up the whole Hydra stuff. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they're the ones that have kept him going. I like that they changed that bit of his backstory. And I do remember going to the cinema to see this with a bunch of my friends who don't know the comic stories at all. Like going in, I knew it was Bucky. Like I've read this, I read yeah. the comics. I knew Winter Soldier was Bucky. They had no clue that that completely blew them away when they when it was Bucky Barnes. Yeah. 
under that mask. I love that reveal. That and I'm reveal like, was so good. It's so well done. And I'm like, I, I kind of wish I didn't know that going in. Yeah. yeah. I, so I'm not super familiar with the comics either, but I remember figuring that out either like watching the trailers or something. Like I was, I had rewatched enough of the previous movies, like enough times over that I remember seeing him for the first time in like the trailer or whatever and going, that's got to be Bucky. Who else would it be? Yeah. Because it's Captain America. It's, you know, it, it, since there's hints of Hydra, yeah. who else would it be except his best bud from World War II? Like, yeah. And I, I think they do a good job of, like, if you look close enough, you can definitely see the setup that it's Bucky. They definitely hint at it um, through it. But at the same time, I think it's done in a good way where they also bury the lead because it's done in when he's yeah. also looking back at his past like we get obviously the scene which breaks my heart every time like the opening scene where he's sitting with peggy carter and like the fact that she's still alive but is you know got dementia and doesn't always remember him and stuff and mm-hmm. him looking back to his past and it being missing is like they they heavily hint at it but i think they bury it well enough like if you don't know what you're looking for you won't yeah. necessarily see it uh, let me yeah, just jump it's... to the chat quickly sorry just batman saying hey there all thanks for joining us Bat. thank you for that host as well we appreciate it man thank you for joining us for our mcu chat today yeah i think it's one of those like things that that they they hid very well but like your second watch through you start pick you it so that you can pick up on all those things where they're hinting at it. oh yeah it's like oh yeah mm-hmm. yep 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 and that's something that the mcu has done phenomenally with mm-hmm. in general mm-hmm. is that you're just like absorbing everything your first watch through and just are just blown away and then you watch it a second time you're like oh the thought that went into each and every one of these scenes is just crazy yeah like you forget so much stuff until you go back and rewatch it absolutely i'll say on my end like while i think the action is good i also think you could have plugged a lot of this action into any like james bond mission impossible and like the only thing that really would have felt out of place is Falcon. Mm. But like, and even that, like that just kind of would be pushing for those movies. But like, as great as like the choreography is when like Cap fights the Winter Soldier, it just feels less because it is to a degree just two humans fighting. Um, and so like, it just, it's one of those things that like, as I watched back through it, I was just like, like, this is cool, but I guess. Like, it's, more, you... it's more human and less superhero right. in how it feels exactly exactly yeah but that's the thing as well is that you can you kind of see that hint i think that's one of the things they hint at it's a little bit more than human but it's still a human element it's because yeah. a big part of it is if you watch winter soldier it's about the characters it's about the story it's about who they are and getting invested in that and we even see that with cap earlier on like this is the first time we're getting to see him really go toe-to-toe in a fist fight like this we've seen a little bit of it with red skull in the first movie but like even then it wasn't really a straightforward fight and when we see him at the start of winter soldier like massive shout out to the random appearance of george st pierre the ufc fighter appearing as bartrock the leaper what a random casting but like when we see they're fighting off against each other it's like yeah it's a decent fight it's decently choreographed but like it's over in seconds like so getting to actually have someone you can put against cat where you can have a literal like toe-to-toe fight with 
and it portrays like who Cap is as well. And like, yeah, don't get me wrong, it could be in pretty much any like action movie. You know, I'm a sucker for action movies though, so like I'm I'm one of those things watching like I'm okay. I like I can as long as I care about the characters, yeah, beat the crap out of each other. I'm good. But like it's so <laughs> well choreographed and it's so well done. Like even the setups, like that big fight scene where like he's chasing Natasha and like Steve comes in for the save. Like even the setup of the car getting tossed and like Falcon and Natasha like getting involved fighting the other Hydra agents and then you know, him taking on Bucky and them all getting like, you know, captured at the end and it's like I love the whole setup for stuff like that. I love because you invest in the character so much and you get to see this great fight scene and then the reveal that it's Bucky and just seeing Cap's heart break when he's like, Wait a minute, that's my best friend and he doesn't even know me. It's like I just and I think in a lot of ways, like it's really interesting to look at this movie and I and I got made like kinda of made a similar point when we were talking about Iron Man three. Mm. But you can kind of look at this movie and Iron Man 3 as like inverses of each other. Mm -hmm. Like Iron Man 3 doesn't really get you to care about anyone other than Tony Stark. Yeah. Whereas this is, you have Bucky, you have Falcon, you have Cap, you have Natasha, you have Nick Fury, you have like all of these characters it really gets you to care about. And even setting up um, Cap's neighbor for her role in yeah. Civil War. Like, it, it very much like sets up all of those people and gets you to care about them. Whereas Iron Man is just like Tony Stark and suits. And it's so, like in that one, you get this really like superhero y action. Yeah. But you don't really get invested. Like, there's not really a concern that Pepper's going to die. There's like, but in this, it's like you could see them killing someone with like having Winter Soldier kill someone. Well, yeah, because there's a legitimate moment at the start where it looks like Fury's dead. And I'm like, and there is a legitimate thing of like, no, they didn't kill Nick, did they? And like, it's, you're heavily thinking they probably didn't kill him, but you also, you don't actually know in this movie, maybe they did. Because yeah. it just kind of keeps going without him and this whole other stuff. I mean, the movie's about the, the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. So like, yep. it's like, maybe we don't need Nick Fury anymore. Maybe it's the end of it all, you know? Then obviously he pops back up at the end because he's Samuel L. Jackson and like, hell, are they going right. to kill him off? But... Yeah, <laughs> You know, it's like, but I think that's it. Like, yeah, you get so, I got so invested in these characters. Even characters, like, you, you got me invested in, like, Sam. Sam's barely in it at the start. And, like, by the time they go to his house when him and Natasha are on the run, it's like, I'm all in for, like, Falcon, like, signing up. He hands over, like, this is my resume. Like, hell yeah. Let's get him in there. I want to see Falcon, you know. It's, I get so invested in these characters and what's happening with them. And then, like, and then, of course, you get the massive reveal, though. Like it, it's like it's still great watching it, but I remember that review when I first saw it that Hydra was at the core of Shield. They've actually been running it the whole time, and they're all throughout the security. They're all throughout the government. They're all throughout everywhere. You know, I did not see that okay. coming. I, yeah. I figured that Hydra might pop back up again because there's still a thing in the comics, but it looked like okay, maybe we're just moving on. It's like no, they're actually in the midst of all of this, and it's like yeah. It was such a big reveal. I remember that when I first seen it. it blew me away. There were... I remember that one... Like, the, that, when I saw it in theaters, there was just gasps at that just bit, basically. Yeah. In the theater, so... No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and I think it's done so well. Like, even, like, they bring in, like, Robert Redford, who phenomenal job in this like as part of the the world council and 
basically becomes head of shield when it looks like fury's dead and stuff and it turns out he's hydra and stuff it was like and realizing how high does this go and even the throwback to like the freaking the senator that hated tony stark and iron man 2 showing up again and yeah. he's hydra and there was so many little connections in this that i thought were so cool mm-hmm. you know but what about you guys what did you think of like the reveal of hydra and stuff and this big twist at the end of cap and the the fall of shield and taking it all down completely Um, it, 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 it's a very comic booky thing. Yeah. Like it is like not in a bad way, but like even like with Nick Fury's like death, it's just like it's Nick Fury, um, and it it's just one of those things of like you have a super secret organization, then you have a super secret organization within that organization, and it's just like. Yeah, like the twist is very well done. Like, don't get me wrong, but it, it just it just feels very comic booky, of like we were the villains the whole time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Although in saying that, they do kind of set that up as well. Like, although they don't set up necessarily it being Hydra, they do point out like I mean the whole start of it is the clashing between, you know, Captain America and Shield. Right. Yeah. Like in the way the government, the organization runs, and basically him being proven correct. Like, yeah, this, this is corrupt even more than we thought. It has to go. But yeah, it's definitely a very comic booky sort of twist to it. Again, though, in saying that, like, it, I feel like kind of like some of the other stuff, I could see that in an action movie quite easily. You know, it's like it's or a spy thriller sort of thing. Not necessarily like it's top of the line quality stuff, but like, yeah, I feel like it's. It fits into the sort of themes it was going for. And you kind of get that with Phase 2 as a whole, where they're, like, experimenting with different genres. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, especially compared to Phase 1, where just kind of, like, every movie just is a superhero movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this, you like, to your point, like, it very much is just... It is James Bond. It is... They're basically trying to do that style of movie, but with Cap. And yeah. it's very well done, but, like, it's just very, like... We're going to take the most comic booky trope, and the most spy thriller trope, and they happen to be the same thing, and we're just gonna put them together. Yeah. And I, at this point, we'll give you that, yeah. <laughs> it's all still early on enough in terms of like developing the Infinity War storyline and just the MCU in general that they're mm-hmm. still getting their footing. Right. Uh, in in some sense, they they've established themselves with Phase One, but they're still figuring out what direction they're going in yeah and like what kind of genres they want present in that bigger story that they're presenting and this like the smaller stories they tell within that so i don't totally blame them in that sense yeah and that's it and it's like it's one of those things like I don't mind like a trope and a cliche if it's done well. Yeah. You know, I guess that's the thing for it. It's like, yeah, these things are definitely very like cliche and very tropey of like the sort of genre they're going for. Absolutely. But at the same time, I'll sit and watch stuff like that as long as it's told in a good story. Yeah. You know, there's a reason it's a cliche because if it's done well, it's good. You know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, one hundred percent, I'll say that these are definitely very tropey sort of things. There's, just, there's in general just things you can't avoid with superhero movies 
Yeah, it's like in this um, especially for it being a comic book thing, like yeah, you have like the reason why these are successful is because it does a great job of changing things that you expect from the comics in a way that surprises you while still maintaining that feel for those who are the original fans of the comics and as you come into watching these movies. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right, as our time's kind of moving on, let's jump into the next one. Again, arguably one of the best movies of the yeah. MCU. I don't think I've ever met a person that did not enjoy this movie. We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. You should meet my mom. She mm -hmm. did not like Guardians of the Galaxy. No. Okay. There is one negative thing that came from this movie. <laughs> and that's the overuse of these 80s power rock anthems throughout the rest of the MCU now. Um, it yeah. was so fitting for this movie and it was it done for so Guardians. well yeah. and then and then now it's just everywhere and I'm just like what, you don't like the, the song what you don't like the immigrant song in Thor I, I don't mind constantly it constantly like, being used pretty much like, at every opportunity every opportunity and I'm just like <laughs> I mean like I get it but yeah I, I, I will say that like my wife other... my wife had that same complaint she watches the, the Marvel movies with me and she had that same thing she's like why has Thor got the immigrant song in it because they're going for a kind of like you know 80s vibe apparently to it and she's like but i thought that was a guardian of the galaxy thing right like that sort of song and, that, and i'm like yeah it kind of is it's like the success yeah. of that soundtrack we're like well we'll just do this for the rest of the movies now we don't have to think about it like, yeah and it's like no it's like, like no we had a purpose for that soundtrack really <laughs> yeah like you ha there, there's so many good indie stuff out there that you can use potentially or you know good writers anymore but but that's the that's, thing that's it worked it worked for guardians because like they set it up so well like that's his connection to home that's his, peter's connection to his mom that's he he plays the awesome mix you know the cassette he's still got his walkman mm -hmm. like it's that connection back to the fact he's from earth even though he never goes back to it it's like it was a cool right. way of doing it and even in then like james gunn was very specific on like what the songs represent and what they say in them to match the tones of the movie and to tell exactly. a story as well and it's like it's so well done and then it's like yeah they kind of did just start throwing stuff even even volume two for this isn't quite as well done as volume one in terms of its soundtrack like it's it's still good mm -hmm. but like this this first movie like it i, I mean I, I watched this back for coming up for this and like I, I still had as good a time as ever watching this like i still enjoy this movie thoroughly you know is it absolutely perfect yeah. no but like it's but hell yeah, I'll throw it on at any opportunity and just watch it, and I know I'm going to enjoy it. Well, it's just like an obscure group of characters that you would have never expected them to do a feature-length film about, and it's so good. They did such a great job on this, and yes, the soundtrack is so well thought out. Um, and I also just love that they use those 80s to also signify the like contrast of technology in the 80s for when he ended up going to space and is living mm -hmm. in like and interacting with all of these technologically advanced cultures and he's still clinging to this piece of analog oh yeah audio equipment and it's the most important thing to him i still to this day want to know where he gets that cassette player from that's in his ship like the big yeah. one he's got in his ship i'm like where did you find that like how long did it take you to scavenge an actual like cassette player that would fit into your ship and because it comes through a sound system in the ship i'm like that must have taken you forever to try and get that to connect I'm sure someone has come up with a theory for it. 
they probably have. I mean, there's probably millions like, of theories online for it. There's theories for everything out there. No, absolutely. One of the things that I really liked about Thor Dark World that I'd completely missed is that like mid credit scene where they like, take the Aether to the Collector. Yeah. And, yeah. and like how that really sets up why um, Star-Lord's out trying to get the Power Stone. Like I'd completely missed that going into Guardians the first time. But like that's such a cool like little tie-in that this guy who's I mean his name is the collector is just trying to actually get the Infinity Stones and he's just a guy. Yeah, it's just uh, a random guy and like he almost ends up with two of the stones. Right. Like and then I really like one of the things that I think is super important to the MCU as a whole is opening up to like cosmic threats mm -hmm. that are not all like an invading force. Like, because that, that's very much what we'd seen up to this point in the MCU, is it was it was the attack on New York, and then Asgardians, and then people that had beef with the Asgardians. Like, that's really all we'd seen so far. Yeah. And it, it very much opening up to the, there's a bunch of different cultures. The Kree are everywhere, and some of them conveniently look human, so we don't have to do that much makeup. Oh, don't but even get like, me started on that one. But like, it's, it's just so important to the like overarching story, like where you can now get characters like Captain Marvel that we'll, like we'll see later on, where like, while there's the whole memory thing, she's very much just part of this other culture, and like that's pretty cool. Like it's great that we get to actually see that in Guardians. Very much yeah. is that vehicle for introducing us to those. Like we get the Nova Corps and like. Well, like, I have serious issues with the Nova Corps as a whole in this movie and how they're yeah, portrayed. Yeah, I wasn't happy like, with the Nova Corps. That was it, one of my big things in this. Right. Um, we, we did a watch party um, with some people in our Discord to watch, like, for Guardians. And one of, the, like, my comments going through is, like, why do the Nova Corps ship's shield thing not cover the cockpit? Like, that seems like an oversight. Yeah, like, that's a, that's a fairly good question, actually. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're, like you're, you're, the ships are literally designed to make a shield, and kill the pilot. Yeah, it all comes out from the spires. It's like, <laughs> cockpit yeah. completely exposed. Like, yeah, that wasn't yeah. a good design. Um, and so, it's really cool. Like, I mean, I would love for us to see Nova. Um, I mean, I'm very much in that camp. Yeah. But if we could actually, like, actually get that character on board. Yeah, I want um, to see that. Can I ask a question as well, just speaking to, like, the Nova Corps and the Zandarians? Like, on Xandar, what do the Zandarians look like? Because, like, Quill goes to sell the orb to that guy like that he was meant to like sell it off to. Mm -hmm. and he's got a kind of humanoid look, but he's clearly an alien, and he references like you know that Ronan hates his culture, referencing like okay he's from Xandar, and then every other person that is from Xandar, like every member of the Nova Corps, all look human. I'm like. Is he just a weird-looking one, or like, are you all like choosing to look human, or like, like, because when I think like people from Xandar, I'm not, I guess I'm not thinking the whole Nova Corps look like they're human beings. I feel like that was just very lazy, like costume design a little bit. Like it in the sense that like we're not trying to be Star Wars. Yeah. Like we're not trying to create these these super complex aliens. We're just, like, you know what? You're just gonna have to like like almost like throwing your hands up and being like, you just gotta accept some of them look human. Yeah. Like, does it make the most sense? Nope. Like yeah. some of them are literally Cree, but they look human. That's weird. 
Yeah, that's but, true. And there's some background, but it's... I, I guess just when you're out on, like, actually on Xandar, like, when you see the whole, like, promenade and, like, Rocket's doing mm -hmm. his whole look-around thing, like, you get some really interesting kind of designs out there and some interesting-looking aliens and then, like, just the whole Nova Corps look human. Like, anyone that's, like, on the front line, like, in the frame that's actually a character right. is just human. Yeah. And then you throw in everyone else, like, sure. No, exactly. I'm like, I'm just that's my only thing. I kind of looked. I just kind of thought that. I've never thought that before watching this movie, and it just kind of hit me when I was watching it this time through. Like, why are they all looking human? And I'm like, it's just it's really random to me. Like, but you know, there's probably a reason for it. I'm sure. But it doesn't matter now. Xander's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Rip Bummer, dude. <laughs> Oops. Is all of Xander destroyed, or is it fifty percent? Well, I'm assuming Thanos destroyed a fair bit of it getting the Power Stone in the first place. Yeah. And then I assume whatever was left got half of it snapped away as well. <laughs> so. There's a question for you. Did everyone that got snapped away actually come back? If we never see any alien planets, who knows? Yeah, very... I mean, that's what I like to think. <laughs> very <But>. Earth-focused. <laughs> Don't we see Asgardians, though, in the final fight? I could be misremembering, so... We see Valkyrie. Okay, I was thinking that we saw... I like, don't know if we see Asgardian. any more, though, but we definitely see like Valkyrie coming in on our winged horse, but I can't actually remember if we see any more. Okay, I'll give myself a question now. We need to go away and look at this myself. <laughs> but, anyway, to actual Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a different phase anyway. Yeah, that's a, that's a whole other anyway. phase conversation. That whole phase is going to need to be like a two-part on itself, probably. Right. Again, lackluster villain. Just right. Yeah. a zealot. Okay, Yeah. we get that. He dies at the end. No continuation there. Perfect. Um, but Put a like, bow on it. <laughs> yep. But in general, the group, uh, the, the primary group of Guardians of the Galaxy, or just interactions with each other are just perfect oh yeah also another doctor who character actor yep Vipon, karen gillian yep karen gillian so that's my other doctor who call out for the day also also scottish call out as i am scottish karen gillian is actually scottish yeah she is <laughs> and nebula is the one that loses the arm in this one <laughs> yep although she does yeah. do it to herself as well though right at the end right it's like hacks off her arm <laughs> or her hand at least to it's okay, she can and rebuild. it's the left one again, isn't it? It's always the left yeah, one. Yeah, it is actually. It's the left yeah. one again. It right. is always the left arm. She's it's fine, though. She can rebuild herself. Righty. Everyone's right hand. Righty. The MCU it's is full of right-handed people. There's no left-handed people in the MCU. Yeah, just no lefties. We're all righties, so if you need to chop off an arm, chop off your left one. Please chop off my right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Chris. You're all... You're just underrepresented. But... In, in general, everything's made for right-handed people. I mean, that's just the yeah. truth. Yeah. <laughs> well, my, my wife feels your pain. She's left-handed as well, and she feels your pain on that one. <laughs> Everything's, like, right-handed, and it doesn't work for left-handed people. And, yep. But, yeah, for Guardians of the Galaxy, like, honestly, like, it, I just enjoy this movie. It's just so fun. From, from I like the introduction of, like, how we see Quill getting picked up by the Ravagers to... That opening credit and opening montage as we see, you know, Quill going to get the orb and just dancing through the planet and stuff. Like, it just, it has a great fun feel to it, but it's also got great characters. Like, I love the whole crew. Them all kind of fighting on Xandar and, like, trying to, like, get each other. 
like as they try to like Groot and Rocket try to capture Quill and then Quill and Gamora fighting over the orb to go into the the prison where they pick up drive like just every interaction with them is just it's so enjoyable like they're just such a fun group of people to just like kind of watch and they feel very human and very like I can connect with them like every single yeah. one of them is like they're just mm -hmm. such a down to earth group um, oh we've got Batman in the chat saying he's a lefty as well so there oh. you go lefties unite yeah Batman Benno <laughs> lefties unite <laughs> But yeah, but like just overall the whole thing of it, I just I really enjoy this movie. Like I I really don't have a big negative thing on Guardians of the Galaxy and like I'm sure there is negative stuff and I'm probably just not thinking it through, but like for the most part I'm like, yeah, I just I enjoy this movie. I can put it on at any time. Right. I think it's more nitpicky stuff. Like right. I, I, there's I definitely have complaints about this movie, but they're they're like it's the like the Novacore example. Mm. It's like it's nitpicky that the ships are designed in a really dumb way like it's not like an overall plot issue like we have with iron man 3 and thor dark world mm. right it's, it's like the, yeah it's so just a small ways. piece and it was right. it was just boom and it was it um one thing i would say is like re-watching this like i have such an appreciation for yondu as a character throughout the guardians of the galaxy movies oh yeah like like looking like you can tell that character was planned out for the entire thing just looking at his interactions with quill and like how he thinks and talks to him mm -hmm. and like his interactions with his crew regarding yeah bring him back alive being all this and like at the very end when he's looking he's like he's kind of like smirking that he was fooled and happy that yeah quill is on this path now and it's just like oh whereas like the first time you watch it when you watch it when it came out you're like oh man i i this guy's kind of like I mean, he's kind of set up as like the pseudo villain in a sense, and now you're just like, oh, Yondu. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, this movie definitely does a lot of great setup for Yondu, and it's like, it's, if you watch both like Volume One and Volume Two of it, you definitely get this awesome story of learning who his character is because you get so much depth in the second one. But I'm even Mary just watching Poppins, him in this first one. What do you say? I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Oh yeah. I, someone made a t-shirt of that and I still want it like Yondu holding on to his arrow going on Mary Poppins y'all like I want that t-shirt so badly right I like, you know it was Yondu that went back and got him that cassette player oh yeah sure. that's definitely what happened yeah <laughs> oh yeah absolutely I mean we even see that at the end of volume 2 was it like he was holding on to it for him the Zune yeah like they get it's <laughs> given to him like the, you know the boss found this for you and it's what they use on earth now and he hands him the Zune and like which I love just the joke of that in itself. But... I love that scene. That's one of my favorite pieces. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just it's so well done. Like, and, and Michael Rooker, just a completely underrated actor. He's so good. Mm -hmm. He's so good. I'm like, I, I love you on doing this. And like, see the moment he brings out that freaking arrow. Like, you don't know what to expect at first. And then when he uses it in that big final fight, I'm like, yeah. that's one of the best scenes in this. Like just that he just whistles and that arrow just flies through every single guard near him. I'm like, it's just so cool. It was so well animated and the... Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. It's such a unique weapon as well. Like I don't think I've ever seen like a weapon like that, especially in a sci fi thing. Like just whistling and making this arrow do what he wants. It's so unique. I've never seen anything like it and it's like he's just the more I watch the Guardians movies, the more I love Yondu as a character and he's just he's so good. Um, 
I do also find in this movie that I prefer Drax more than I do in the second one. I agree. So I feel like in yeah. the second one, like I feel like the issue with him and Rocket in the second one was they found what people found funny, and they and just they overdid over it that. too much. In the second one, and this one, it's just right. Like Rocket has the right level of humor to him. Drax is like not understanding stuff; it's just at the right level. Like yeah. even just stuff like that, you know. Oh, he it's takes like, everything they, literally. Everything goes over his head. Like nothing would go over my head. I do it quick. I would catch it. Right. Whereas, like they they overemphasized it. Like, well, where can we get those quips in whenever we can? Whereas, it was like a natural quick quip when they were talking about him and he overheard. Yeah, it's or, like it was just so natural. Yeah. It was so easy, and that's what made it funny. In the second one, they did overdo it a little bit, especially towards Mantis. Like he's downright cruel to her in that movie. Yeah. And it's like okay you can back off a little bit like i get it you think she's ugly okay yeah that haha that's the okay you don't okay we're going to go with us for the rest of the, okay rest of the movie we're going to keep calling her ugly in different ways fantastic that's that's apparently the joke awesome right you know it's like it's, yeah it's that was too overdone don't get me wrong i still like the second movie but yeah it's it's definitely the first one is is so much better so Anyone last thoughts on Guardians? I think, you know, there's nothing too much to go into in this. So here we go into the next big one as we hit the second Avengers movie, Avengers Age of Ultron. What were our thoughts on the second outing for the Avengers? The worst Avengers movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, not a contest. Yeah, 100% the worst. <laughs> Ultron in general is a product of a Tony that shouldn't exist at this point. Um, just due to Iron Man three, as you as you already mentioned. Yeah, not a compelling villain. It's just a standard. It it's a very typical rogue AI plot. Yeah, um, yeah. I I wanted to love Ultron so much, especially with James Spader playing him. There was so much potential there. Played very well. It's just like yeah. the character itself is just... not a good character in general. Like it wasn't well put together. It's like oh, okay, and <laughs> standard humans kind of suck. And your plans for me to support you aren't what I want to do now because right. the only way to help humans is to destroy. Is them. it me or does Ultron go from like being created and getting the objective to peace in our time to humans suck? We need to kill them all very quickly. Very cool. Like, so literally, by the time he gets into a body, he's like, yeah, you all suck, you all need to die. Like, And why does this AI hate Tony so much, just out of nowhere? Like, yeah. like he gets so angry when Tony gets brought up. Yeah, like, he wouldn't even, like, Jarvis goes to call him, and he's like, how dare you call him? Why do you call him sir? And I'm like, why is that an issue to you? You barely, yeah. you've literally just looked him up. There's, you've got nothing against him. Like why are you so mad at Tony? And like, I can see why you get mad at him later as you learn more about him, you know, and maybe stuff hits you, but like right off the bat, I'm like, yeah, you all suck. You all need to die. You're you're my biggest threat. And I'm like, okay. Also, like, why is the AI like capable of such anger? Yeah, like, out, yeah. like off the bat. Like your character, like the anger part is just weird coming from something that's supposed to be an AI. The purpose, the reason why you are going the route you go is because it is logical for you to go through that route. Like in terms of that humans are the parasite of earth and to protect earth, you should remove humans. That's the logical piece, but he's just, why is he angry when he's doing it? Yeah. It's a, it's a piece that There's just that doesn't make sense emotional. for 
yeah, there's an emotional component that kind of comes out of nowhere, and I guess you can kind of throw in like, oh, it comes from the Mind Stone, and it was created from that, so maybe it has an effect on him or something, but it just it still kind of comes out of nowhere, regardless of how you try to put it. Also, can I be like the first one to say, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch serve no purpose in this movie. You could literally take them yeah. out, and it changes nothing. In fact, they don't make sense. Why does Ultron recruit them? He has an issue with human beings. He thinks that the best thing to do is to wipe out humanity to start again. Why does he recruit two superpowered people? For that, I think it's the the to go like to a point we just had about Ultron's anger. I think this is super logical. This is the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So like this is just a formula. Is it's these people don't like the Avengers. I don't like the Avengers. I need to get them to team up with me for some help. I guess I just I see it as like he doesn't care about any of humanity so like and he's literally creating other versions of himself like he's literally within all these bodies why randomly right, get right. these two but he Their also uses... recruits them before he's like vibranium Ultron too yeah but even like, then like he, if his body he... but even says that like if his body gets destroyed he just goes into a new one he just he keeps making right. new bodies like I just I feel like they've like okay yeah we're getting this partnership here but i'm like i feel like bringing in two humans especially two superpowered humans especially two that are as emotionally like over the edge as quicksilver yeah. and scarlet witch are that that would be an illogical factor that he wouldn't want to deal with he may have perceived like their powers as a potential threat as he grew so if he recruited them he could keep them close and eliminate them at the earliest possibility so yeah. that they don't undermine him if they begin to realize what his actual intentions are right. and it does set, strike me as a very like it's going to be a double cross like curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal yeah right. like yeah. It, i mean it's like it's clearly set up for that for the get-go like the, these two are literally put with him just to turn on him but yeah the characters are just yeah yeah you literally like, could have had them it, not it, in this movie like, and it wouldn't have changed anything right it's just like a hey by the way here's for for you fans Here's Scarlet Witch, which I'm Here's like. Quicksilver. So, so I really like. Not important Witch in this movie. Um, I I completely agree with what we're saying that like, they can they're kind of just serve as as any force. Yeah. But like as for like for what we see Scarlet Witch become in the later movies, I really mm -hmm. like how they set her up here. Yeah. As like like she's a superhero threat that her power isn't just blast stuff. Like she does some of that. But, like, for the first, like, hour and a half or whatever, you never really see her take, like, an offensive action against a hero. Yeah. It's all the deception, the all mind, the mind games. And, and I think that's really cool. I thought it was a very cool way of making her not feel like generic villain who's upset at Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And, so like, I really like that. And, I mean, Scarlet Witch is one of my favorite parts of the MCU. Like, WandaVision is, like, my most, like... It's WandaVision and Thor Love and Thunder are the two things I'm most excited for right now. Yeah. Um, I'm ready so, for the horror movie Doctor Strange. Well, yeah, well, which yeah. is high end from WandaVision. Yeah. Like, right. And so, like, I really like how they plugged her in. Um, and uh, it, it kind of does the thing of, like, this is her origin story, but also just isn't an origin story. Yeah. Um, which I think is one of the best ways that they can do this is, like, they can give you this character, make you care about them. Um, and while she doesn't do like you can kind of just insert any hero into that slot like for both her and quicksilver i really like that they do give you enough growth that when she becomes 
in Avenger when she has that moment when she steps out of the house after talking with Hawkeye, um, who's like also like Avenger's dad in this movie. Yeah, which is pretty great. Oh, I love yeah. Hawkeye in this movie. <laughs> uh, He's amazing. <laughs> like she just has that moment when she walks out, and it, and it makes that feel earned. Yeah, like where it's not just hey, we need you to fight. Oh, okay, I'm ready. Like she very much has that like. I volunteered for this and I got these, this experiment done and now I have these powers, but I didn't sign up to like be in war necessarily. But then she comes to that grip. And I, I just think that that is such a good, it's so well earned. Even again, if it, you could kind of plug anyone into that slot, but I love where it, it sends her off for the rest of the MCU. Oh yeah. I, I totally have to agree with that. Like I, I do love Scarlet watching the movies. I do love her inclusion in them. I think the way they built her up, even as we go into like Civil War and into the other Avengers movies, it's done really well. And I love the setup in this with like even that scene when they're, you know, in Sokovia and like she's talking with Hawkeye and he like gives her that pep mm-hmm. talk and he he really takes over that role as a kind of mentor friend role to her here that you do get to see kind of carry on. Uh, it's it's really well done. It absolutely is. And it's like I do love her character. I hate that she's almost a throwaway character in this, like her and Quicksilver not having a true purpose. Yes, but at least they built her up to something awesome, you know. At least they do that with her, since you know Quicksilver's a throwaway character, who yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you, you put him in this movie. He has no personality. He has no moments to build him up. Literally, literally so you can just kill him off. Yeah, like, like which is like it was almost like they put him in here just for a twist because they're clearly setting up Hawkeye as the person to die in this movie. We learn about Hawkeye's family. He keeps talking about, oh, once I get back home, I'll start doing this and that. And it's like, and this is like my last mission sort of thing. And like, rewatching it back, like, yeah, they're clearly heavily hinting that Hawkeye's not making it home at the end of this. Which I'm glad they didn't do, because I absolutely adore Hawkeye in this movie. I'm glad he gets this much treatment, because we've like we've seen barely anything of him yet. Yeah. Which, that was one of my interesting things about Winter Soldier. Why wasn't Hawkeye in that? He's technically a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Yeah. At no point he was brought in. Really? Okay. Um, but I'm glad we get to see that from him. But I still have an issue with Quicksilver dying in this. Like, you have super speed. It's not quite fast enough. And you got, and you had enough super speed to push him behind the car and take the bullets yourself. Like, sorry, I'm going to call BS on that. Yeah. You're a super speedster, and you're the one that gets... Like, if he got, like, caught by Ultron and, like, ripped apart or something, fair enough. If he, like, went to go toe-to-toe and Ultron, like, was able to analyze him and catch him and do something, no, he just got gunned down. And I love the fact of, like, he was killed, and there was so much rumor going into, like, Infinity War, or, like, they're going to bring people back, maybe they'll bring Quicksilver back. Nope. He literally exists to die in Age of Ultron. And he's that it's one of those characters that has so much potential in the universe itself and you just yeah you could have done something great with him kill him off no more quicksilver yeah because like because they looked like they were heavily hinting at that because like you look like they were hinting at them becoming avengers especially even at the end of this movie when you see like cap and black widow and like the new avengers recruits and i'm like it's almost like that was echoing the comics because when the new Avengers recruit come in when a lot of the original step away Cap has like Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver and Hawkeye on the team so it was like oh we're kind of echoing that a little bit no we're just going to kill him that's one of my biggest like it's not like a complaint about this movie but kind of like overall MCU is like this movie sets up this new Avengers team 
that, that we then never really see the Avengers. Oh yeah, I hate that. Like we see it at the start of Civil War, and it actually right, that opening of Civil War is actually really cool. Right, but we never see them like, like I mean, because that scene is a failure. Like we never see them succeed as the Avengers. Yeah. And then, oh, just kidding. We're just gonna bring back all the other Avengers from the from the other movies now. Yeah. Because this Avengers team doesn't cut it on their own, and it's just like. It's it's a, it's a very cool setup that I, I don't think was paid off very well. No, uh, definitely not. They've pushed the MCU as a whole toward that point where you have the focus on these other characters, and I'm really looking forward to that now. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, like, I, like don't use characters as these random throwaway pieces. Like, like I love that you like so far in the MCU we've developed tony stark and iron man and that's what makes his loss like actually this big piece quicksilver i don't care that he died because i don't care about him as a character because we just saw him run around yeah yeah you didn't make us care about him to begin with no right. there was so there was no was interest like... in his character at all absolutely unless you're an avid like comic book person who knows that quicksilver and wanda are x-men and that there's the whole legal rights issue yeah. Why would everyone care? Yeah, like, but like even their characters as a whole were throwaways in this. I mean, even the introduction of them, we get that scene at the end, like in the end credits prior to this, setting up that they use, you know, Strucker uses Scepter to create them. And it's like that whole opening sequence is just a throwaway for me. Like, I, I completely don't buy into it. Like, it feels like we're going to jump straight into the action. And I'm like, I actually. I much more enjoy when we actually get to Avengers Tower and we have like the whole party scene and then just relaxing and interacting with people and I, I start getting into the movie at that point the whole opening just feels like a rush to to have like Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch there and also get rid of Strucker and give them the scepter so that everything's set up for what's to come mm -hmm. I mean like, that's kind of how most action is that like it's, it's always a setup for the next beat and I know, but I it, like, like it just—it feels like they were setting up something to happen with that that end credit scene, and then it's like ten minutes into the movie. Okay, let's just jump straight to the next point. Like, I mean, like, and I like that first fight. I think it's good. My 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 note I have on that is so many team up moves. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I really like like I, I say that as a joke, but like also there's way too many team up moves. <laughs> but I do like that we, for that Avengers team, we get to see that this isn't their first battle like they fought enough together that they very much have a system of how they work and that's really cool um and to your point it is very quick tony just like ha or, or jarvis just pretty quickly figures out where the generator is and we're able to blow it up and then we can get inside yeah uh, but as like, can it's, I, I really like that as can well. i see as well we go from like having them all fighting together like yeah. in such unison there to literally being at each other's throats and arguing with each other for the rest of the movie right up until Vision's created they do nothing but argue with each other pretty much and have shots at each other and I like, it's like I get their different personalities and stuff but some of it's like it's almost like early like first Avengers movie where like they still don't trust each other fully and it was almost like a step backwards I felt like in some of it like even the arguments between like you know cap and tony and i get there's still kind of there's still tension there they're leading up to civil war and stuff mm -hmm. but like it still it felt like very early like you two are meant to be friends you're meant to trust each other at this point and like and along with that like we get absolutely zero like consequence for tony doing what he does yeah 
Right. Like well, he, also, yeah, he gets no pushback from Bruce, which would yeah. like, like I felt like should have been like the another number one critic. And Bruce is like, sure, okay, fine, let's figure it out. Yeah, you created a murder like, bot, so like, you know what? I'm just going to right away help you create a second one. Yeah. Right. Because this time like, you're right, because it didn't go horribly wrong before, and I'm like, like to your point that you just had, like more in general, like would have been good there. Like right. the problem Bruce that Banner. we have is like we just needed Banner to have character conflict instead of Tony and Cap. Yeah. Right. Like, and so it's yeah. the, the, the plot point we had was good. Like having them work together, then having them seeing what will eventually becomes the civil war fight. Like having that ripple through is really cool. We just need Banner. We do like Banner just needed to be more involved in that. Yeah. Instead of being a pushover for Tony. I just felt it like was it was, too, it was too focused on the Cap and Iron Man arguing each other's thing. And I'm like, you could have done so much more like dropped hints at Civil War without fully having them like being at each other because like tony literally goes from like ultron happens says he's going to go off and you know basically destroy the world to make it better to like when tony's like they're literally all talking afterwards and see the wreck of what was jarvis like in the system tony starts laughing and like, i get they're hinting at that like no he shouldn't be laughing at this stuff but like it's literally like he comes across like so much like he does not care that he's done this as if, like, you know what, this is exactly what I wanted to do. And I'm like, no, he's clearly said what he's going to do, and it's not okay. Well, it's supposed to be, like, you're still seeing the PTSD come through. Yeah. Because like, this movie, again, Iron Man 3 that we talked about, like, but that's what, like, that scene, It's we're supposed to be, like, Tony still isn't all mentally there. Like, this is not Tony, like, or this is Tony that has dealt with being kidnapped. Like, all the events of... Of the first Avengers movie, all of Iron Man three, where Pepper almost died, like he he's dealt with all this conflict, and then this is just, again, I tried to do this and everything fell apart. Yeah, like I think the thing for that is like you literally see him then kind of like when Fury comes to the farm to Hawkeye's farm and talks to him, and you kind of see him a little bit of like, I made a mistake. I was trying to protect everybody. You know, I seen the vision of everyone dead, and it was my fault. Like, okay we get a bit of character growth and then it's like the next scene is like okay let's do this again with a better AI made from Jarvis this way it won't go horribly wrong I'm like you have no idea that that's the truth and then like Vision turns out to be good and it's like okay everything's fine I'm like no there's a conversation to happen there right there has to be another conversation he has it like and he just like yeah it's gonna be fine he yeah. doesn't actually go into this is what we're actually fully doing different yeah you didn't get it right you got lucky that's what happened right. here like you didn't like fully go this is how it's going to work you got lucky and we all act like tony was just smart enough to pull it off this time like no you almost right. created a second one what if he was bad they could have set it up to where like yeah he is smart enough that he actually like analyzed everything and made all the adjustments needed to be cautious but yeah. they don't they don't do that in this they just they just like okay we will trust you got it right this time and let's do it again all right so looking at our time we are definitely starting to push into a longer show this is probably a longer show <laughs> we've ever done and um, any last thoughts on age of ultron before we jump into the last one iron man and we'll try and keep this one short because i feel like it should be a fairly short convo for ant-man any other thoughts no all right so jumping into what was the the end of phase two the introduction of ant-man how did we feel on the ant-man movie unexpectedly good 
yeah. <laughs> I think that's a great example. And like even like Guardians, we see that same type of a thing. Of it's like Ant Man is way better than it has any right to be. Yeah, one hundred percent. You know. Saw the trailer and thought it was stupid, and then saw the movie and was pleasantly surprised. I will say again, lackluster villain. Oh yeah, yeah. it's just it's a carbon copy of Ant Man. But that's not the point of the movie. Isn't the villain? Like, yeah, he's just he's just there because you have to have one. It's because it's a superhero movie and he has to fight somebody. The whole movie's about him getting the suit and learning to use the suit. Just because it's a superhero movie, he has to fight somebody. So it might as well be Yellow Jacket. Because why not? Right. Yeah. And like Yellow Jacket as an idea is really interesting. It's just. Yeah. Oh, they do some fun stuff. I love what they do with it, though. I mean, they do some great fight stuff. Like, I love the fight in the bedroom when they're both small and, like, fighting on the train set and all this massive stuff. And it's, like, it's literally just on a toy table. With all, like, I love the setup for all of that. It's so well done. Like, what... So, this movie really, like, as, as you mentioned before, it really puts in a contrast what you do with something as small and how you do something great with it as, like, yeah, we can make things small and we can make things big again. And then you have Thor the Dark World that has the convergence of the nine realms that does yeah. for some that gravity so issues. Potential yeah. that they just, just, like, yeah. just gets thrown away. Like those are like big things that you can do. Like people like want to see something crazy and amazing come from. And then instead we're getting that with we make stuff big, we make stuff small. Yeah. No, absolutely. A stupid and... idea that they do well versus a great idea that they fail at. Exactly. Like. And again, like, to tie this back to to how basically everything in this phase is just Iron Man 3 done well, like, Yellow Jacket versus Extremis. Like, they actually make, like, even though the villain behind both of them is not interesting, they actually make, like, the Yellow Jacket suit fight fun to watch. Yeah. yeah. Versus like versus the extremist fight, which is cool mainly because we see a whole bunch of armor, like Iron Man suits. But the actual That's... fight isn't that interesting. Yeah. And this one, like, you get the train scene. You even like and there's so much good like to go back to what um you mentioned earlier with Guardians too. Like the comedy in this is so not forced and it's so good. Like so you get the nice. scene. Yeah, you like where the train's coming, and like, what would you do? You would be scared of getting hit with a train. Your brain would not say, "This is a toy train that can't hurt me." No, absolutely no. Like, and that, so like the ant that they make big ends up being like their pet dog sitting yeah. under the table, like. Oh, uh, it's so good. For, for food, like. <laughs> it what is else so could good. Be a giant ant. <laughs> mm-hmm. like, it. it, it it was a great end. It was a great introduction to Scott Lang and also his friends. Complete, complete opposite of Thor the Dark World, where I absolutely hate the side characters. The Ant Man side characters are amazing. You can put Luis in any movie, and I am okay with it. He's like one hundred percent. I am okay with Michael Pena being Luis in any Marvel movie. He was amazing. He just he stole it for uh, me. It's like, like it's just... hit the humor he brought to it and just like also he's just such a great ca- character in terms of like quick getting like i need a re- quick recap oh the recap <laughs> i'm still waiting on a recap of like the mcu up to this point him. by him that, yeah. <laughs> uh, cool. and like and paul rudd as well amazing casting mm-hmm. as scott lang he was he was perfect yeah. It's like I was wondering at first that when they initially cast him, because at first they hadn't revealed it was going to be Scott Lang, so there was a lot of talk. Is like, is it going to be, 
you know, is it going to be the Scotland character or is it going to be like the original Ant Man? Is it going to be like who are they going to do? And like, and the way that they did it, like, you know, like with him coming in to play Scott Lang, it was it was just perfect. It was just absolutely perfect. And then bringing um, Michael Douglas in as as Hank Pym is an older version of him who like becomes his mentor and like it's just it's so well cast like them in it and then obviously Evangeline Lilly coming in as his daughter who later on gets to become Wasp obviously like it's just it's so good it's just another one of those it's just so fun movies to watch in this other movie it's a great example of tropes done really well yeah yeah 100% pretty much like a beat for beat like it's a comedy, but it's a beat for beat heist movie. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even yeah. down to like the very end where Scott gets trapped in the thing because they pull out the yellow jacket suit. It's just it's so beat for beat, but it's so well done. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. So well. And that's it. It literally goes back to that me saying like I don't care about the trope as long as it's done well. Ant Man's a perfect example of that. The trope is done so well, mm-hmm. and I absolutely love it and adore it. It's it's don't get me wrong, not a massively perfect movie, but like. I've never not had a good time. It's one of my favorite MCU movies, and it's like again, like it has no right to be. It should not be in, you know, up my list as high as it probably is. But like I just, every time I watch it, I enjoy it. Right. Yeah. So it's like in this phase, like with Guardians in the Galaxy and Ant Man, just like obscure characters that you wouldn't expect them to do feature length films for, is why I am excited for, like Shang Chi. Yeah. And, like yeah. them to do these focuses on these obscure characters that no one's really ever heard of. Not only that, they're also moving to being a more diverse right. group of heroes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I am so stoked. Which is for fabulous. It. Yeah, and it opened up the door for even characters we've seen now, like seeing Doctor Strange being done, seeing Captain Marvel done, seeing mm-hmm. Black Panther done. Like these were the testers for it, and because of how well they did, we got to open up this door to these amazing characters yeah. that we never would have gotten. I mean, I'm excited for the next Avengers movie just to see this new lineup of Avengers because, like, pretty much all the old ones are gone. You know, it's going to be mm-hmm. a brand new cast of Avengers, and I'm like, I'm excited for that. I'm pumped for that. I think it's going to be great. All right, so I'm probably going to have to call it there for actual talk about the movies. If there's any last thoughts on Ant Man, go ahead, throw it out. No, we good. Yeah, this is definitely our longest show, and I probably have to go wake my head <laughs> up at some point. So, um, so to hand over, first geek four eleven. If you want to go ahead and do some plugging for your stuff, this is your chance to get it in there. To plug podcast, okay. socials, anything like that. I'll drop some so stuff we in are chat. One geek four one one. Just about everywhere. Uh, that's Twitter, Facebook, um, Instagram. We are also starting live streaming our podcast recordings Monday night at about 8 15 mountain time um because i'm the only one in central so we have to no you mean mountain. 8 15 central time it's 8 15 central time man time is time is a mystery because <laughs> it'll be 7 15 for us in mountain time. okay yes um anything i need to know yeah um and so we will be streaming that um thank you for dropping that link in chat um at twitch.tv slash one geek 411 um and we'll be going through um, some couple discussion topics. We'll be having fun. And then um, you can also find our podcast pretty much anywhere that you get podcasts for our older episodes. Um, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all that stuff. If you um, can't find us, let us know so we can make yes, sure we, we get added. <laughs> and then we also have a Discord. Um, 
And so that's also a good place to come and hang out. We're working on doing at least a monthly movie night um, with some people, with people there. And so, um, so shout out to that. Um, and again, come in tomorrow and hang out with us as we do our podcast recording. So, yeah, definitely. And I've put all those links in chat for everybody so you can go ahead and check out their website to get all the information and everything again. Their social media is there for Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and then, of course, the Twitch channel there at the bottom. Go ahead and give that a follow, give them some love, and make sure to tune in tomorrow night. I'll definitely be tuning in. Um, but thank you so much, First Geek 411, for all of you coming on the show. This has been absolutely great. I really need to start planning out timings of my shows better. I always think it's not <laughs> going to last as long as it is. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. Definitely have you all again on the show. Emma, definitely oh. have you on when we do the talk of Doctor Who. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but thank and you so much you'll for be able to find me somewhere. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I'll grab a hold of you somehow. We'll make it work. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Comic Clan, for following us. I am going to go and drop a raid to a friend of ours who I can see are streaming. Alright. So this is to CV No Pro. Go ahead and give her some love. Go ahead and give her a follow. Uh, she's a really good streamer. Go ahead and check out her stuff. I think she's playing Overwatch right now, but she also does D&D on the channel. She does, um, was it Sea of Thieves? She does, um, she's playing through Witcher stuff, all that sort of good stuff. So we're going to go ahead, drop her a raid, give her some love, and I'm going to head to her end screen, and you all have an amazing weekend. We'll see you again back here next week. Nitro will be joining us again, and we'll be going over the early 2000s movies that we missed that week that we had to go off. But you all have a great time, and we will see you next week.